This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves, demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop, make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil, the final season. Streaming May 23rd, only on Paramount Plus. Gentlemen, the show is about to start in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. He'll be found on the mountain. It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Built by the Barnuminium Company, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, and part of the Chief Sports Network. Touchdown, Carolina! Touchdown, Ace Sanders! Pressure! Penny just dives in! Sherbert here on Inside the Game Costume Show. In case you were JB, he's off today and yeah, had some things come up. So uh, it's just the three of us. Power hour now, just the three of us. Great Mike Morgan and the docile tones, who's probably going to like bring us back from breaks and stuff because I've, uh, I'm rusty, <laughs> honestly. I'm not rusty. I'm not rusty. I'm JC, but I, uh, uh, he, may, he may do her rusty or that from European vacation. Rusty, right here, Dad. Right here, Dad. Uh, uh, Rusty, hey, Russ. Uh, Russ. Anyway, 
still here right today. here um, on Inside the Game Gamecast Show. I want to welcome everybody in. Uh, we've got a good show today. Uh, just finished a good JC and Morgan, very topical. So just check that out. We also have Pat DeMarco joining us in the second hour. Pat uh, is going to talk about Sean Elliott because Pat played for Sean Elliott, uh, was part of the SEC East Championship team that ran all over everybody with Marcus Lattimore under Sean Elliott. And he's going to give us insight like really not a lot of people can as far as like the run game and stuff. Uh, I think there's been so much focus on the offensive line, guys, and rightfully so because it's been a it's been a bugaboo for a long time and everybody associates Sean Elliott with the offensive line. But his title is run game coordinator, which means he's going to oversee the O-line and the running backs and the tight ends and coach tight ends. But this is a sort of part of a new system that they're going to start run. So it'd be good to talk to him about that. In case you missed our epic four hour, was it four or five hours that we went the other day? Four, four Phil? Four hour marathon, right? Open any lineup. All right. So I started to think about this and I got a, I got a uh, creative streak in my head. I said, wouldn't it be nice to have all those interviews from opening day? Cause a lot of them are timeless. They're not, uh, they're not just, Hey, let's preview the Miami. We, we did very little previewing of Miami of Ohio, uh, maybe with Derek a little bit. But it's all big picture stuff about the baseball program. Uh, Phil just put the playlist link into the chat box. Uh, please go check it out if you want to. If you miss some of those interviews, relive them, uh, share them with your Gamecock friends that may not understand what we do here on the show, and tell them, "Hey, this is what you get uh, with uh, the greatest thing." And yes, Ed, I will get to my Las Vegas trip review this week. I already had a shout out from Vegas. One of our listeners, Mark, is a Vegas native, so always good to hear from him because it's. Uh, when we come on there, it's about 8 a.m. out there. The Wind Buffet is just now opening. And, yes, I went there twice. Uh, nice. But there's a story behind that. But uh, it's epic. But uh, anyway, uh, so we're here. Uh, like I said, J.C. Sherbert, uh, Phil Mullinax, Mike Morgan uh, for the next three hours. And uh, how are you fellas doing? Well, I, I'm good. Uh, been, a, been a long time, J.C., uh, since you and I have had a chance to chat. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, it was 20 minutes ago as we wrapped up JC and Morgan. Uh, no, that was cool. Um, uh, you know, sometimes we, we cross-pollinate. I was not going to come in today because this week, for the first few days, I'm co-hosting uh, Chuck and Chernoff on 680 The Fan here in Atlanta. So for those Gamecock fans in the ATL, uh, you, you, we've had Chuck on JC and Morgan. He's all about college football, great guest, and um, always enjoy working with him on that show. So I'll have to bail out of here uh, a little bit on the early side. But I, I will tell you, and I texted you guys on my drive to Athens on Friday, getting ready to call the, the Georgia-Florida game. Uh, I caught a lot of the show on Friday and was just so uh, proud of you guys. Uh, and, and, of course, Jamie deserves immense credit, which he'll, get, which he'll receive when he gets back in the, in the hot seat um, <clears throat> for, for lining all that up. And... Like you said, that so many of those interviews are timeless. Uh, you, you don't, you didn't have to catch it live or even that week to enjoy interviews with some of those former players and coaches and everything else. So, uh, really enjoyed that. Uh, our thanks again to D's Wings and Salsaritas, two of our proud sponsors for keeping everybody fed on site over there at Founders Park. But um, you know, it's it's just uh, part and parcel of so many things that I'm I'm proud of that are that are done on this show. Uh, on ITG, and I'm glad that the ITG family was able to catch that. And if you haven't, like you said, uh, you can catch it on a myriad of formats that this show is uh, is placed on. 
Yeah, just to remind everybody as to the, the lineup with Justin Smoke, Landon Powell. My God, that's a that's a heck of a. These are my boys, uh, man. This is, yeah, man. This is like back in Mike's day, man. Oh you know, man, Blake it, Cooper, uh, Stuart Lake, Monty Lee, Mark Kingston, Grayson Griner, John Whittle, Ray Tanner, uh, Derek Scott. There is a Will Crow video that's still uploading. It's been uploading since some Saturday, so I may have to go reset it. But he joined us live from Australia. Uh, cool. good day, Mike. Let's put another shrimp on the Bobby where he's, uh, he's going through kind of the Korean league spring training, uh, down mm -hmm. in, uh, in Australia and saw a kangaroo on the golf course. So it's very, very fascinating conversations. I know some of you, cause we evolved sort where it's kind of a show now, but we evolved out of a podcast. Some of you are heavy podcasters. Uh, so you like to just sit it on and go put on some stuff and go, uh, listen while you're working out or listen while you're in the car or whatever. And so it, it, this is peak, like there's no commercials, nothing. It's just peak interview after interview after interview. Uh, and Phil put that in the chat box for you. So um, very excited. Uh, lots to get to today. Let's just start off with the bad news. Uh, Mike, you're a prophet. <laughs> uh, and, and, and I want to tell you why. You're a, you're a SEC basketball <clears throat> prophet because, and I'll be honest, I've Ever since the Vanderbilt game, believe it or not, I, coming back from Vegas on the plane, I told my wife, I'm like, God, man, I'm down in the dumps kind of about this basketball team. She's like, why? They're 21 and three. I said, I just, it's like, it's like when you're on that ride at Disney, like Pirates of the Caribbean, you see the skull and crossbones, there'll be rough waters ahead. I felt that. I felt like, and I'm not a prophet, but I felt like Auburn's a tall task because they play so well at home. Uh, except when they play Kentucky, obviously. <laughs> and uh, and then I was like, and you got to watch this LSU team because they don't give up. They they yeah. And Carolina has had trouble. If there's one thing this team's done this year in the losses, with the exception of Auburn, they've blown leads. They had, they had Clemson by 11. They had Georgia by nine. They had LSU by 16. This is a team that I think it's safe to say now you got, you know, you got to kind of, you got to be careful. They even almost blew it against Ole Miss. So I, uh, uh, you know, I, and it, it bit them. Now, the way the game ended sucked. I thought the refs were – there were some questionable calls. I think a jump ball in that situation, man, that's the worst possible outcome because it gave them the ball on that end and then the foul and, and then the last play of the game. It was not the best look. Carolina, when LSU finally came back and got it even – I mean, if you think about it, Carolina hit two clutch three-pointers, and, and and they just – LSU just kept answering. So, I don't know, Mike, your thoughts. Uh, all right, full disclosure, first off, you know, that game was right after we wrapped up the Florida-Georgia game, uh, which, uh, which turned out to be a thriller. Georgia's actually got buzz in their building now, which is nice to see. Like some of the programs that didn't traditionally, like a South Carolina, like a Georgia, like all of a sudden, man, there's there's crowds. The student section is terrific. And they're doing it in the middle of a six-game losing streak. So I give them credit. Um, so I, I missed a lot of the game. But uh, my partner and I, we went to go grab a bite, and we immediately <laughs> uh, put it, uh, had the waitress put it on the, uh, the big screen, and we watched. And... Um, I, I I know what you what you meant by I'm a prophet. What I said, well, I didn't predict a loss necessarily, but what I did say is that South Carolina will probably undergo the same thing a lot of good teams in this league will, and that is a two game losing streak. 
Uh, I mean, the the consistency of this team leading up to last week was downright amazing, considering this is a ultra, ultra strong and deep league. But um, I'll just, I don't know if I'm a prophet, but I am a put it, put it in perspective guy. This comes from years of hosting Gamecock post game shows on football uh, and, and trying to offer a little bit of reasoning with some highly inebriated pissed off fans. This is not like, Oh no, we're really not that good. And this is, these are things I've heard from fans. This was bound to happen. We want some good things. Uh, so and so is overrated. Blah 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 blah. Look, see what Kentucky did to Auburn on Saturday as a double-digit underdog. I might add, Kentucky had lost three consecutive games at Rupp Arena. Think about that. First time ever, they lost three straight games at Rupp Arena. Um, Florida started zero and two in the SEC. They're the hottest team right now. They've won seven out of eight. I called the game at Tennessee lost at Mississippi State. Um, Mississippi State has lost two in a row. Ole Miss has lost two in a row. I'm trying to think of the teams that haven't lost two in a row in this league. The point being, it, what's that? No, everybody just about. Uh, is, is Just about. I mean, Tennessee might be the only one that I can think of right off the top of my head that hasn't. The Auburn game, I didn't have a great feeling about. Um, the LSU game at home, look, you blow a 16-point lead. Uh, I did see a couple of the key plays down the stretch for for the let's blame it all on the officials contingent. Uh, I can't go with that, man. You lose a 16-point game, it ain't all on the officials. A couple of things. The, the play late, I guess, was it on Murray Boyles on the drive? Yeah. Uh, is that, I, I mean, from what I saw, it's a, it's a foul. I don't know what the controversy was it's there. It's a foul. It's, you know, but sometimes, like, in certain situations like that, they'll let them play with the game on the line. But it, 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 If you're driving to the I mean, bucket and you get armed, yeah. they ain't going to let that go if they see it. Sometimes they don't I see agree. it. I guess you, I was just you – know. Well, now, now, let me full disclosure. There might have been some bad calls. I'm not denying that. I didn't see the whole game. But that one in particular, I, I didn't – that to me wasn't a miss – the was the jump ball where they threw it into the corner on the pressure. Was that was that, that wasn't a bad jump? call? It wasn't a bad call. Well, no. I don't know. No, they but, were on. They, no, they bodied him up. They bumped him with their body before because LSU had what five fouls to give. Yeah, well, exactly. Which is you know, you know this is what happens when you say uh, the, the referees call too many whistles. Well, then all of a sudden they don't call enough. And, well, and, yeah, and but they they like they clearly bumped him before they tied it up. But I mean, but they let it go. Yeah, know? well, so, yeah. Kevin Kevin just brought up the key thing. LSU had two fouls the second half until the last, and they were letting them play all game. Yeah, I mean, that, sometimes that's the tone of the game where you have a crew that just says we're yeah. gonna we're gonna let them go a little bit more. The what what I was gonna say, regardless of the officiating, the pass in the corner and the full court pressure, and they gave that to Mac. Right, the pass was to Mac. That's yeah. not how you beat the pressure. That, that's a bad. That's just that, that's yeah. a bad play from the start. You throw it to a big man, and you let him get trapped in the corner. That's obviously not what you want. That's not ideal breaking pressure. And look, these I see these I see these mistakes happen to everybody. Uh, I, I see these things happen all the time. I see teams on out of bounds plays that that get beat defensively. I see teams on breaking pressure that don't know who to throw it to. Uh, you don't throw it to a big in the backcourt unless it's the absolute last resort. So, uh, you know, look, bottom line is 
the loss sucks, but particularly not because LSU is awful because they're not, but the loss sucks because you have a 16-point lead in the second half and you don't hold on. And you've got alums there, right? It's a big it's a big to-do. I'm sure the crowd was great as they've been most oh, of the year. Wow. Um, yeah, very loud. Wowed yeah. and it, yeah. So, I mean, it just sucked. And but you can't have me, and I know Michi got hit later and you had concussion protocol. You can't have Michi Johnson not score a point. At, at some point, this team is a lot of things. It's not terribly deep. It's it's definitely not terribly deep. You need Michi and Talon Cooper to play big the rest of the way. Now, I will say this too. My biggest fear for any team, there are teams that late February, I used to call these the dog days of late February. And I saw a lot of Carolina teams come out of the gate strong. And there, you will watch, there will be teams in this league and others that will hit a wall that all of a sudden guys who were shooting 50% from the field can't buy a bucket. They're shooting 38 from three, can't buy a bucket. Uh, weak legs, weak shots, bad results. It does happen, and I'm not saying that's going to happen to this team, um, but it, it does happen from time to time. So it, it, an 18-game conference slate is a grind for a reason. I, the, some of the talk about, hey, this is what has to happen to win the SEC, it, it's it's too early for that, and honestly – I just think you want to focus on getting into the tournament and get as good a seed as you can. Guilty. <laughs> well, no, Guilty. but you're, but that's okay, JC. Like, there's nothing wrong for doing it. When you're in first place, it's hard not to think like that, right? Like, I get they're, it. They're still only a half game out of. First. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's not. Of course, they are. Now, but there's but, about like Florida and Kentucky are charging hard toward that top four group. Yeah. They are, and and you and I and Jamie went through the the rest of the schedule last week. It's, and how, how many games? It's going to be real hard to win the SEC, it, but it looks ominous. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, but but that's a, I mean, I honestly that'd be that'd be icing on the cake. That'd be the cherry on the Sunday. Get into the tournament. Avoid playing like an eight nine game because that means you're playing the number one seed in the second round. Right? That's not that's not fun. So all these games are still extremely relevant whether you win the SEC or not. Uh, but more importantly, you just want to see this team get back to doing what it did well. And and that includes Michi being a big factor. That includes Talon Cooper getting like eight, nine assists as opposed to two or three, right? Um, mm. For the ascendance of, uh, of of Murray Boyles, some other guys play have, have regressed a little bit during this stretch. So you need them to, to get back. And sometimes that's the arc of a player on a team on a 31-game grind. It's like you go up. And then you go down, but the good ones go back up again. It's not always just like a, a, a you know, he, he's down and he's going to stay down. He's up and he's going to stay up. It really becomes a roller coaster. So, uh, again, it always stings when you lose at home, especially the way the team did. But you just got to bounce back and you got to go back to what you were doing well. And I still think this team is going to be a tournament team. And I still think this team is going to be a threat to win games in the tournament. But you certainly want to get back to doing, uh, playing the, the quality of basketball that you were for much of the year. Well, and look, from the game at Arkansas until the home win against Mississippi, Talon Cooper was averaging in double-digit points with the exception of the Georgia game uh, that they lost, and they only had eight. But the assist numbers were through the roof. Now, check this out. Uh, he did have, He only had five points against Vandy, but seven assists but two for six from the field, one for five from three. Auburn, one for six from the field, 0 for two from three, no assist. And then Saturday, two for eight from the field, one for four from three. Now, that could have been the game winner. 
because uh, he's wide open and drilled it, and you got to love a guy that makes a clutch shot like that, but only three assists. If Michi's not scoring and Talon is not distributing and Michi's out of the game because he's probably the second-best distributor, um, right. that that's a different team. The, the more we've been you know, and so I think I think I think having uh, South Carolina does not play this week. They play Saturday at Ole Miss. It's a Titanic game for both teams, obviously. Uh, I think maybe having a week off is good for them. Kind of couldn't reset. agree more. I think it's a you team know. that desperately needed it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a good point in the schedule because you got. I still believe the next three games, Ole Miss. A and M at home, A and M on the road, and then Florida coming to Carolina, and you'd probably hope Florida would cool off a little bit by then, because I think they will eventually. They're red hot right now, Mike. There's no question about it. I listened to most of your call on Saturday, and boy, every time Georgia made a move, it was just like, dink, 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 dink. You know, they've got uh, even depth. the even the guys that weren't expected to. Yeah, they've got depth, uh, and they're starting to win on the road. And so the environment's not going to affect them. But right. anyway, all right. As I figured, I'd be late to get into a break because I'm not a good air traffic controller. Look, that dog I'm is shaking his to, head. I'm here that, to add the friendly reminders in the chat. Just yeah. It's, in the chat. We're it's good. Like the, I will keep us on the rails today. Like Don't John Cusack <laughs> in that movie, Pushing 10. You ever seen Pushing 10? Yes. That's <laughs> a terrible what? movie. Pushing John 10. John Cusack was in a John movie Cusack. called. I think it's Cusack. He's an air traffic controller. It's an air. It, Does it's he get like the girl the in the end? It's probably not. It's the Ishtar of uh, air traffic controller. <laughs> the Ishtar. It, 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 it's, <laughs> it's no airport or, or anything like that. I mean, it's it sucks. But uh, hey, hey, Phil. Next time you see Skipper, ask him about that movie Pushing Ten. He's got a oh. massive critique as only he oh, can. Well, Anyway, it's Billy Bob or, Thornton too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Billy Bob Thornton. It may Cusack may not be in it. I don't know. No, but, he uh, is. He is. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Those two. I mean, you think Cusack, Billy Bob Thornton's going to be pretty good? No, nah, it's terrible, awful. Never even heard of it. It well, Mike. You know, there yeah, you, you go. It. <laughs> it's not. It's definitely not <laughs> a fiber dimer. No, no, no. It's not. I haven't even. I haven't even seen it like randomly on anywhere. It's that bad. Nevertheless, all right, guys, so we're going to get a break. Come back. Get good news for Gamecock Baseball this weekend as far as uh, opening weekend goes. You, you just want to win your games. But, hey, if you can you know, set a little bit of a record and, and, and have something historical happen on a weekend where you honor Tommy Moody, I think that's special. So we'll be back to talk about that. This is Inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barndo Company live from the Sinorama Studios. We'll be back after these messages. Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama. Columbia and go game Cool Joe, will you? 
And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nana'sPorch.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast. The char level. We use a number three level char. If you char it too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. This break is presented by Billy G's Carolina Barbecue, the state newspaper's 2023 winner for best catering, best barbecue, and best food truck. Visit BillyG'sCarolinaBarbecue.com for all of your catering needs. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Welcome you to Founders Park. It's time for baseball, folks. That ball rid the right and deep and gone. Swing and a drive. Left field, way back and gone. It's the ball into the air the opposite way. Has he done it twice? Yes, he has. Taylor to the wall. There's a high drive. That ball is tagged. That ball is way, way, way out of here. A grand slam home run for Ethan Pitchers. What else can this young man do, Derek? My goodness, that ball was killed. This is Ethan Pitchers from Gamecock Baseball. You are now listening to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Be loud. No Gamecocks. Presented by Resto Pros of the Midlands. RestoProsMidlandsSC.com. And we unmute before the music ends. That's how we roll here on ITG. Welcome back on a Monday. Mike Morgan, JC Sherbert, the Mad Dog, Phil Molinex, JB out today. Uh, had a family matter to take care of. He'll be back later on this week. It is the Power Hour presented by Gary Patterson of State Farm, Ryan Brewer-Fence, and, of course, we are always presented by and served by Chicken Cock 
whiskey. Lots of things to talk about today. John Whittle will jump on board in the second hour and talk some Gamecock baseball after a uh, rather dominating sweep. Uh, you guys know how I feel about February games. It, you don't get too bent out of shape if you lose one, but it's always nice to win them. The stats don't mean a ton, but you get a chance to see some of the newcomers uh, and how they are going to be able to hopefully perform throughout the rest of the year. We talked about the tough loss to LSU on Saturday uh, afternoon and kind of some of the reaction about that. And, of course, there's always football conversation on this show. Uh, the big news happening you know, last week, obviously, J.C., and I think we had somebody in, in chat row asking about how that will affect the, the recruiting and in Atlanta, which is obviously a hotbed. Why don't we start there? How do you think that will affect recruiting? Well, I, you know, to be honest, I think that uh, look at uh, Coley and uh, Blackwell and DeCabellis all help in Atlanta because they all have recruited there for a while, uh, that part of the country. But certainly Coach Elliott being familiar with that, that, that state, uh, even when he was in South Carolina, I think he had a piece of Georgia uh, that definitely helps. I, I think it helps in South Carolina, too, just because if you look at sort of what he did when he was at Georgia State recruiting this state, uh, they got some good players to go over, to bounce over there. Um, guys that were probably a little bit better than we thought. Um, you know, Georgia State sort of built it with North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama. Um, and uh, his enthusiasm uh, relates to a lot of types of guys. You know, he fits in as far as the pitch that this – uh, program under Beamer has given on the recruiting trail, which really recruiting has not been an issue. I, you know, I, I think that when you look at this class right now, I wouldn't call them behind. I would just say they don't have the momentum that they had last year when you had Wendell Gregory and all those guys jumping in the boat early. But then we went through an entire summer where everybody's like, they've lost momentum because they were, you know, they had already gotten most of their guys and were going to sign 16. And, and missed out on a couple here and there. But uh, so we'll see what happens. I mean, I think I think recruiting for 2025 is going to come into focus a little more later on uh, down the road. Uh, but certainly, I, I think, you know, anytime you have a guy that's, you know, that experience, that's got that type of enthusiasm for the game, that's well known throughout the state and uh, throughout the state of Georgia, it definitely helps. But I, I would take it a step further and say it, it helps not only in Atlanta, but also in the state of South Carolina, uh, maybe even into North Carolina. I remember Elliot recruited that state pretty well when he was here under Spurrier. Um, he and Bobby Bentley ended up getting Rico Dowdle uh, in the fold. Uh, everybody talks about it being Elliot, and, and it was. Elliot kind of scouted him and had him had him warmed up for Muschamp. But uh, people don't realize I sent – before Bobby left Auburn, I sent him the take too. So it's, uh, he ended up being the running backs coach and approving that one quickly. Rico Dowdle, of course, is still in the NFL. So, yeah, uh, yeah <clears> I think um, – I think when you look at it, it's a, it's a win-win. And I think the exciting part of it is the um, – uh, Craig, the, the Tommy tribute, by the way, is on that playlist Phil sent. It's about the third or fourth one down, so go check it out. Uh, didn't want to miss that. Um, I think the exciting part about it is when you look at Dowell Loggins and his offense – They've got a bunch of creative plays in the playbook. He was with Kendall Browse. There's a lot of that in there. It's a big playbook. But when you start looking at, okay, Sean's going to be the run game coordinator, they are definitely putting in his run game. Okay, You look at his run game when it was at South Carolina, it was very successful. 
Now they had backs, a quarterback named Tarkander Shaw, and they had a pretty good offensive line. And you had defensive coordinators that got the bejesus scared out of them because of the guy in the visor calling pass plays, right? But if you look at what he did at Georgia State with that run game, and it was the same run game. He changed coordinators a bunch. They did the same thing every year. It was very effective. Statistically, it was always up in the top half of the country. Um, you look at the personnel South Carolina has coming back for next year. Uh, you got a Rocket Sanders that if he can even get close, Mike, to 2022 level, that's a that's an All-American running back. Yeah, I think people uh, forget how good he was two yeah, years ago I mean, at Arkansas. Boy, boy. If he got, I just I just want him to get get close and be healthy because in the in the one game he was most healthy last year, and of course Florida didn't stop very many people. Uh, but at the swamp in a game where they had to win, uh, he was healthy that game. Eighteen carries, one hundred and six yards. Dice yeah. looked like you know, and he looked a step slower than he did in twenty two. But he still had the the vision and the guts and the ability to get out there and do it. Then you talk about having Lenora Sellers as your starter, most likely. But if it, it, but then you kind of flip it on the other side. You say, well, you know, things happen. What you know, that's why you got Robbie Ashford. Well, in this style of offense, that's Robbie Ashford's game. I mean, that, Robbie Ashford's a zone read runner. I mean, people, uh, you, you think about, look at his Auburn film, how fast that guy is. So it's going to be a completely different style of, of run game uh, next year. And then I thought Dowell did a really good job dialing up pass plays. Uh, so it's essentially the same setup as you had when Spurrier was here. When uh, I, I don't know if it'll go exactly like that. Spurrier would just be saying, oh, shoot, Sean, give me a run play. <laughs> All right, coach. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Get, let's run that one. Whatever coach Elliott said. Uh, and then there were some plays where it was pass playing Connor Shaw would just take off and make things happen. But uh, I, I do think for those of you that get a lot of comfort out of, and I do too, out of, when, when was South Carolina good, uh, really good schematically, this was the kind of stuff they were doing offensively. And it stood the test of time. When you look at how effective it was at Georgia state, I mean, Georgia state ran for, and I know LSU wasn't the, the normal LSU defense, but Marcus Carroll, I think, ran for about 140 yards against LSU this year. I mean, they put up numbers against just about everybody they played, and it's because it's hard to defend. It, it, it's that old App State National Championship winning run game with a lot of wrinkles and misdirection, and uh, I, I, it worked. It worked before, and I think it'll work again. And South Carolina, if you look at where they've been really bad on offense, and that's through the Muschamp era, right on until now, uh, with the exception of 2020 when Kevin Harris and Mike Bobo were here, they don't run the ball well. A lot of a lot of the, the yardage statistically and stuff like that is due to sacks. But I think playing this style uh, really helps eliminate some of that uh, and, and really fits the personnel, Mike, if you're talking about having a successful year. Yeah, I um... – so Quantrell brings up a, a an interesting point, and I think there's there's two different ways to look at it. He says having a quarterback who uh, I think he means with legs, uh, teams have to game plan for is such a benefit. I expect this playbook to be explosive. Uh, I agree with all of that, but I, I I would just say that you just lost an NFL quarterback in Spencer Rattler, and Spencer Rattler didn't have nearly a chance to do as well as he could have if he had a line who could block if he had a, 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 a guy like rocket sanders in the backfield and if he had more than one healthy wide receiver that defensive coordinators really were concerned about and look at uh 
And so here's what I would say to this about Lenora Sellers. And again, you know much more about him than I do, JC. He is going to have to prove that he's a threat to throw the football, right? Like I understand he's uber athletic and can run and, and, and be a great candidate for zone read and all that. But like Connor Shaw was a threat to throw the ball. And had wide receivers that were like, oh, bleep. And as you mentioned, Steve Spurrier was going to come up with pass plays that were like, oh, bleep, how are we going to cover this? Uh, I want to see if that exists this year in the Carolina offense. And I am uh, I will be the first one to tell you honestly, in my, for me, I don't know. Because I haven't seen Lenora Sellers throw a meaningful pass in a meaningful game. So I, I can't sit here and say that this offense is going to be lights out and that much better uh, you'd have to think the offensive line is going to be better, and you'd, uh, the running game is going to be better. But if you're on, if you're not balanced in the SEC, if you're not a threat to throw the football, you're not going real far because you're going to look at a heavy box on virtually every down, and it's going to be that much harder to run the ball no matter who you have back there. And it, it's just eventually third and seven comes into play. It comes into play a lot in the SEC, and if you can't throw it. Uh, that's a problem. So I, I just that's early on. I know what Rocket Sanders can do, and I know Lenora Sellers can run, and I know the offensive line is going to be better. But I do want to see what this passing game does week one, week two, week three before. For me personally, I have a good assessment of of what I think this offense is going to look like. Yeah, South Carolina does not have a Juice Wells. They do not have a Xavier mm-hmm. Leggett right now. Right, but you mentioned that team. When, when Shaw was here, okay, after Alshon left in 2011, it was kind of, it's kind of like the Smurfs from uh, the old Redskins. <laughs> no, you had, you had 5'9 Nick Jones, 5'10 uh, Bruce Ellington, and 5'7 A Sanders right. out there. And, and Carolina's got a lot of guys like that. You know, they got Jared Brown, who's kind of like that. You got uh, L- Lava Day, who came in from Miami, Ohio, that's like that. Kelton Henderson's a young guy that's a lot like that. Tyshawn Russell. Um, you know, you'd hope, I think Nick Harbor, quite frankly, and this is no knock on Nick, it's just the way it is. Uh, he's got a lot of developing he needs to do at receiver. And I think he hit a wall last year after his six catch game at AM. I think chasing the Olympics is going to hurt him. But I'll say this with football I'll say this look, we love football, it's important. It's not as important as a kid being on the United States Olympic team. I'm sorry if you talk about life and accomplishments and all that. So, you know, let's, let's give him a break. If he's not quite ready to go out and dominate the ACC on the football field, if if the kid makes the Olympic team, which I think he's got a good shot at, if you watch him run track, he is an absolute freak. Um, so uh, you know, you kind of look at the the tight end position too. You got a guy named Josh Simon who's good. Well, guess what? Spurrier had uh, Busta Anderson and he had uh, Jarrell Adams at tight end. And guys like that during the during that run, you know, and and so the personnel is a little bit similar. Um, I uh, and I disagree with everybody. It's like Sellers hasn't done anything yet. I, I get it. I totally get it. But neither did Bryce Young before Bryce Young took a snap at Alabama. He was a promising backup. Uh, it's not rare in college football for a second year guy to take the reins and be good enough. And guess what? They didn't go after KJ Jefferson. Not because they didn't like KJ Jefferson, because they feel Lenore Sellers is better. And quite frankly, I agree with them. Uh, KJ Jefferson is more similar to Dondre Pinkins than, than Lenore Sellers, who can Ouch. throw the football. <laughs> no, uh, people, people, people say, you know, people say big, tall kid, 
that can run. Oh my God. You know, no, he was wildly uh, inconsistent. I'm with you. I'm with you. And I'll, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I, I was. I'm, I'm just going to back up your point. The, the, it's not unusual for a team to start uh, a freshman, redshirt freshman quarterback who's raw or wet behind the ears. That that's not that's not anything new. Um, I mean, the, the Bryce Young example. There's there's a lot of. Of course, Bryce Young is surrounded by you know first rounders all over the place. Sure. Um, and Lenore Sellers is not. Like, he doesn't have a go to wide receiver yet. Right. Uh, we I don't know if there's a game breaking tight end yet, and you hope that the offensive line is certainly better. It can't be worse, but other than that, you're not throwing him into like a lap of luxury of weapons. If you, I'm just I look at it again. I'm stacking it up with the other teams that they're going to be playing in the SEC. Sure. And and what do, what do I see? Where where does Carolina rank offensively this year against the teams that they're going to have to beat? Uh, to have a successful season. And I think there's a lot, there's just a lot of unknown. So Lenora Sellers, everything I've heard, JC, I, you're as good of evaluating talent as anybody I've ever come across. Everything I heard is is outstanding. But, uh, and so the, the, the this decision to go with him, I don't think it's a controversial move at all. Uh, you, you see what, you see some incredible athleticism and you see uh, next level type of physical ability and all that's great. But it, there's certainly going to be a, a growing, a learning curve. I don't think there's any question. Uh, and there's going to be concern about what does the passing game look like with a kind of a first-year guy and no Xavier Leggett, no Juice Wells. You know, I mean, even though some of those smaller receivers that Spurrier had, I mean, some of those were, you know, in the in the ilk of a Jacquez Green, like NFL-type playmaking ability. Yeah. I don't know if any of these guys have that. I, I don't know. It's I want to see say. it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, look, you look at Jared Brown coming over from Coastal because uh, somebody said no game breakers. Well, he was a game breaker at Coastal. Um, Gage Larvaday. Let, let me let me see. I, I'm going to make sure I'm pronouncing this crap right. Larvadane uh, is a kid from Louisiana. I love Louisiana players, by the way. Uh, played at Miami of Ohio. Miami of Ohio last year, I think, had like, like a 1999 Gamecock situation at quarterback. This dude still big play after big play down the field. It's a different level. Can he get off press coverage? Those are all fair questions. Uh, Brady Hunt is coming in as a tight end that's like, you know, tra- he's like, you know, I don't want to say Travis Kelsey. That's kind of stupid. But he he's like a, your big, tall tight end that Notre Dame usually has that can run from the Midwest. Uh, you know, you got guys out of the backfield that can catch it. Uh, Ed says it's hard to throw when you're on your back. Well, here's the secret, dude. I mean, if you think for a minute, if you think that – all right, so you're correct in saying that if you think this offensive line is going to have 12 different guys go down with injury. Do, you, do we all think do we think that's going to happen again? No. No. That is a crazy, freaky thing that happened, and that's why, you know, I don't understand why people don't get that, okay, sometimes positions just aren't that good, and, and you're like, well, this guy should have stepped up, that guy should step up. South Carolina's offensive line last year was was just supposed to be like I remember I wrote they just need the older guys to play the best football they can and stay healthy. It's not going to be perfect, but Rattler, if you give him just enough time, he can make things happen. You get just enough of a running game, you can make things happen. That's when I thought they'd have Juice Wells and everybody else, right? And they didn't because they all got hurt. And then you're playing freshmen. Now that 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 has a different that that's that's good and bad because. 
those freshmen last year that got all the playing time when they, they wouldn't have otherwise, that's going to put them ahead of the game as far as development goes. You get better by playing in games. Every coach will tell you that. That's the be- quickest way to get better in football, play games against other teams. And they struggled, and they took their licks and all that. But in the sport of football, in the sport of football, you don't just stand still and you don't just show up as a freshman offensive lineman and, oh, that's just kind of who I am. Right, right. I'm going to suck forever. That just never happens. You know what? In in most cases, you know. To to your point, it's the only position on the field where when people evaluate what you've got at that position, like I, I, we do this as announcers, uh, one of the first things we look for, how many career starts. We don't do that with wide receivers. We don't do that with outside linebackers. How many combined career starts do you have in your starting five of the offensive line? Because it's that important. So you get better, you understand scheme better, and you work together better. It's the most important position for that particular number, combined starts. And obviously they'll have more this year than they had last year with all the injuries and all the youth. Yeah, and I think I think when you look at the receiving core, what, what stands out – you don't have a ton of size except Nick Harbor, but you do have speed. You have guys that can run nine routes, run by people, catch passes. I think when you're running the ball effectively, that opens things up downfield. And Lenore Sellers is a beautiful passer of the football, uh, really in all ways. I mean, if you kind of watch him throw, it's not like, oh, this guy's one hopping it out there like a Joe Milton that's throwing it in the stands half the time. He's accurate, and he's got an arm. Uh, you know, and, and sure it was just Furman when he really got to throw it in a game, but look, man, I, 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 the, the story of fall practice last year at South Carolina inside the building was Lenore Sellers. I mean, I got a text about, about, Hey, what's up with the scrimmage? God, Lenore Sellers is good. (laughs) I mean, and, and when you hear it from that many people, it's usually true. Like, like, like JC Horn. Heard he was going to be pretty good, right? Yeah, it ended up being pretty good. You know, uh, that kind of thing. So Xavier Leggett this year, this all, he's going to be pretty good. Heard it. Yeah, pretty good. Um, It's when you hear different things from different people. He's okay or he's this that you kind of go, oh, well, let's pause. So anyway, that's that's the thing on that. But I, I and I'm sorry we didn't get to baseball like I said we were. But uh, we I, will. That is that is a very important. Time. I can talk about that better than baseball. I'm kind of I'm like, hey, they threw it well, called it well. Well, well come down yeah, blue. Well, in the limited game action we saw with the Furman game with Sellers, you could see, I mean, he can throw. Now, that's Furman, right? And I don't doubt that Sellers will be able to get up to speed from a game, you know, speed standpoint and then let, let the game slow down for him. I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of growing pains, but I think from a, you know, an athleticism and ability standpoint, uh, there's nothing really to worry about. Yeah, I mean the most the most not even negative but uh whatever you want to call it thing I would say about Sellers just to me this is common sense to expect him to be Spencer Adler in terms of his ability uh to throw the football as no. in his first year is not a realistic expectation. Uh no. you know <laughs> fans know not, I think what you had in Spencer Rattler does not come around very often. Uh, that he was an elite thrower of the football. You know, we talked about the the combine, and you know how I am about draft. JC, I'm upset with it, and it's it's going to be so intriguing this year with all the quarterbacks and who slips and who does what. 
you know, if Spencer was an inch taller, 10 pounds bigger, uh, and threw the ball a, a tiny bit stronger, even though he's got a, a stronger arm, he'd easily be a top five pick. I mean, the, the, we're talking paper thin margins of him being a top five pick versus going in the third round, which is where I think he'll probably go, depending on the combine. Um, so you had you had a really special guy. He wasn't able to showcase all that last year because of all the issues. So expect to expect Lenora Sellers to be that type of thrower of the football right away. I think is not a, a fair comp or ex- expectation. Mm-hmm. By the same I'll- token, he can he can run better than Spencer, take hits better than Spencer, right? And maybe in time even be better than Spencer. I, I know your mind, Mike, and I know I know passing's it. Uh, that's it. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to guarantee you right now, you are going to be, wow. You're going to be impressed with the way the kid He can zip it. I will tell you. I will tell you that right now. Uh, Not Joe Milton I, arm. No, no, no. Do you exactly. remember there was a a oh prominent member of the SEC network who said Joe Milton is the most physically gifted quarterback in the country. And Joe he Milton couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. He said best. No, you said best. Best. Yeah, best. best. And, so uh, and we know him and love him. We know him and love him, and we won't yeah, hold it against he's, him. He's a good guy. I've worked with him, yeah, but dude. but that just shows like, wow. you you can you can look at the raw skill set of a guy and really get overtaken by that. And the fact of the matter is, Joe Milton was never a good quarterback. Never good at Michigan. Never good at Tennessee. Had a couple have, flashes here and there. I'll have a lot of words to eat if uh, if, if if I'm wrong about this. But I don't think I am. I think I think I think it's easy to say. Ah, he's a runner, not a thrower. It's easy to because you want it. You want prove because passing game is very hard. It's not easy. But I think the accuracy and and all that uh, is there. I think the feel for the game is there. Feel, feel for the passing game is there. I think yeah. reading defenses is a strength of this guy's. You wait. Okay. We'll see. Okay. All right. We'll see what's in store. Hour number two. John Whittle will join us. We'll get back into some basketball, baseball, anything goes here on ITG, presented in part by Ryan Brewer Fence. Unmatched quality. Each of their installs completed on time. Go to Ryan Brewer fence for all your fencing needs not just uh, in columbia where he's located throughout the entire state of south carolina do a terrific job and yes 75 cent wings at d's from four o'clock on tonight i know where i'd be eating if i was in columbia quick time out here on itg i said oh lord jesus it's a fire ain't nobody got time for that disaster comes uninformed during and after natural disasters or accidents there can be a heavy loss to property. Having your home or office destroyed or damaged by water, fire, smoke, or mold affects your personal and business lifestyle. Resto Pros of the Midlands is here to help. Open 24-7. Call them when you need them. 803-493-0170. Resto Pros of the Midlands. RestoProsMidlandsSC.com. Quality that is guaranteed. Down here in the South... We don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barndo Company. 
where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated. Attention baseball and softball players. For virtual hitting lessons and evaluations, contact former baseball record holder and All-American Michael Campbell at 859-414-8240 or email soupsswingshop at gmail.com. Go Gamecocks. Welcome you back here to ITG. The Power Hour continues, presented by Gary Patterson of State Farm. Gary at GaryPatterson.net. Ryan Brewer Fence, RyanBrewer.net. He is J.C. Sherbert. I'm Mike Morgan, Mad Dog Phil Molinex. The bottom of your screen, if you're watching on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter, if you're listening to us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or anything else, you don't have to see our uh, our faces. That might be a good thing. Who knows? It, I, I chose to, to take away, to deflect J.C., Having to look at me, I've got Jurjevich, the last great white corner to play the sport of football, other than Jason Seahorn. Um, although there is a guy that's actually projected to go high in the draft this year. Uh, we'll yeah, we'll talk about that. Kid, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, I, I know it's kind of like almost taboo to even – talk about it but let's be honest people notice that stuff i mean you know they, they know there hasn't been a starting white defensive back in the nfl corner i should say in Four, forever yeah. uh but yeah but i've got jurjevich and the Ampipe squad behind me and not to mention craig t nelson coaching and a great typing teacher on the side so uh that's that's my background before he got the Minnesota State job. Before he left, uh, well, yeah, and that for that yeah. matter, before he left for Cal Poly, because at the end of the movie, 
he gets a, the college coaching job he dreamed of and then uh, offers Jurjevic a scholarship, even though he's got very sticky coverage, but he goes through the man, doesn't play the ball. That's, fu- that's 101, Cruz. Come on, Tom Cruz. I mean, I, I expect a little bit better out of you uh, at any rate. <clears throat> um, talking a lot of football here in the uh, opening part of the show. John Whittle will come on at, what, 1220? 1225? No, we got Pat DeMarco. Oh, I screwed that up. Okay, DeMarco. DeMarco at 1230, and then Whittle is when? Uh, Whittle at 1. Okay. At 1. Okay, 1. So it's the third hour. Okay, so I'll I'll get out of here and uh, take my uh, rear end over to the 680 studios to host a four-hour show there talking about (laughs) Mike's, Mike's killing it today, man. Yeah, man. Hey, that's all right. And with a classic quote, Mouse has another year of eligibility remaining at Furman. Remember, like, I'm going to Furman. Yes. All the right moves. Yes. Way to go, Ed. All right, yeah. so I'm going to push back a little bit here. On some I know where you're going with this. I know I'm, you're, I'm not you're upset, upset with upset. Ed. I am not upset with Ed. Ed is a great listener and a great person. I think it brings up some fair points. Level-headed points. So, que- all right, so, so here would be my question, my counterpoints. Well, re- read question. it off to everybody who can't right. see it. Ed says, all I'm saying is expectation management. Agreed. Anytime you play this schedule and you're coming off a 5-7 and seven season and you, you lose Spencer Rattler and Xavier Leggett, yes, there's going to be questions. That's why you're going to see him pick anywhere from 13th to 15th in the league. I promise you, it's coming. Don't get offended. Um, so the questions on the line I would have is, can they stay healthy? So that's fair if those are your questions. Let's not sit here and act like, oh, there's a bunch of donkey players. Because number one, at the very least, we don't know. <laughs> I mean, I would be surprised if all these four- and five-star guys were terrible, but it's happened before. The Brad Scott era, they signed a really good O-line class. Half of them stayed hurt, and they never were good. But I have I have a little bit of faith, and uh, based on what I saw out of guys like Tree Babalade and Trevon Ball, and then Marky Anderson is one of those guys, just like Sellers. Everybody was talking about last year. Shane Beamer even talked him up before they had to shut him down injury wise. So I, I, I'll I'll take my chances with that based on talent, uh, and also that they're not going to be all injured next year, and that there is more depth because they added some guys through the portal that can step in and play uh, on that. I mean, questions are fine. And I also say that saying this expectations on the offensive line in general in this league at every school are way the hell out of whack. You hear every school complain about their O line coach. Every guess why? Guess why? Because you're playing against all Americans on the D line every single week. Even even your Vandys of the world have talented defensive linemen. There's a just a a boatload of defensive linemen within a stone's throw of every campus in this league. And and you're never gonna. It's never gonna be perfect. Alabama, Alabama, best offensive lineman in the, in the best offensive line in the league. Georgia too. They get stuffed on fourth and one just like the Gamecocks do. All right, think that. Think about that. It, it's it's that difficult. Now it's not going to be as bad as last year. I promise. Unless there's injuries, lack of quarterback with game experience, SEC experience. I think it's overrated. I'll go with talent on that one. But maybe that's that's probably the limb I'm jumping out on with mm. him. Can it be both? Um, uh, and lack of quality receivers. I don't know that there is a lack of quality receivers. I don't I, like. I mentioned Brown and 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 the kid Gage. Uh, I've already forgotten how to say his name. And Tyshawn Russell. I mean, people people forget Pharaoh Cooper had six catches his freshman year. I think redshirt freshman year. And the next year he had eighty nine. 
again, guys get better. <laughs> uh, and then I don't think they're done in the portal either with receiver. James Coley just got here. I can guarantee you they're going to be active at that position uh, just for depth reasons. Not that they hate the rest of the guys they got, but they do have a lot of kind of similar guys. So, you know, probably looking at one of those, look for somebody like about a 6'2", 205, taller guy, can body you up, that kind of thing. Um, you know, so I just, I, I understand the questions, but but I'm looking at it from a different standpoint. And Billy, uh, we have no offensive line. They had no offensive line last year. This is a new year. And I'll remind everybody, the last time this happened was 1999. I think Mike was in Columbia. I How was. terrible was that offensive line in 99? And why? Wasn't good. It was interesting. Well, the next year, guess what? Pretty good. Derek Watson ran for it was one of the few thousand yard years they've had here. Pretty good offensive line. Cedric Williams, the, all those guys got healthy and they Strickland. So Strauss, John Strickland, who's a guest on our show, big listener um, to this show. Hey, Strickland. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, you had you had you had uh, Melvin Page, all those guys. I mean, yeah. it was uh, Jama, uh, not Jamal Meredith, but uh, Travell Wharton as a freshman. Travell came Wharton in and started. NFL I mean, for ten years. So there's guys, you know, it's just, uh, it's just, it, it, it's not, it's not a, it's not a hopeless cause just because it was a hopeless cause a year ago. So no, I totally just, agree. Totally agree. I Look, I, I, everything that you've uh, pointed out is, is, is duly noted. I would only say one other thing on Lenora Sellers, because I think there's two different conversations on, on Sellers. There's Sellers in year number one as a starter versus Sellers, the finished product. You know, I, I would remind people like Joe Burrow, his first year at LSU wasn't that great. In fact, he, I remember when he went to SEC Media Days, he had to handle a lot of questions going, can you be better because you weren't good enough last year? Are you even going to keep the job? Uh, if, if you look at some of the great quarterback stories to go through this see, they weren't great their first year as a starter. And then they became great. They turned into something that was much, much better than what they were. Even Jaden Daniels. I mean, Jaden Daniels, his first year as a starter was good, he wasn't anything like he was last year as a Heisman Trophy winner. He wasn't that player. He wasn't that he dude. Settled, settled in, yeah. I mean, he put on weight. He got stronger. He he learned how to throw the ball better. He the all the game slowed down for him. So my point would be on Sellers. He might turn out to be an All SEC quarterback, but he ain't going to do that in year one. I don't see that. Just like I predicted last year, I didn't think Spencer Rattler was going to be All Conference because of the competition. And I'm sure some people are like, how dare you say that? And well, he wasn't all SEC. Wasn't his fault. He's great. Nice. I became an even bigger fan of Spencer Rattler. But, but you know what helps you win those type of awards? Great talent around you. Game-breaking first-round draft pick wide receivers. An offensive line paving the way for running backs to have six yards of carry. These are the luxuries that other quarterbacks in the SEC have had that a lot of other teams have not. So just, just take that all into the equation. Uh, I'll say the difference between the, the Burrow, Rattler year one, um, Daniels year one is, is Lenore's has been there. I mean, he knows the system. Uh, think about Carson Beck. Hmm. Pretty good year. Now, Mike and I both were like, we don't know until we see. And and that's fair. That's, right. that's fair. But I, th I think, you know, not being a transfer like a lot of guys are, uh, and, and having been here and understood it, because people have too. Lonoris is a 4.8 GPA honors roll kid with a, a, a ridiculous SAT. I mean, he's a smart, I mean, he's a smart player. 
Um, that doesn't always transfer into I can read a defense, but I've I've heard he's pretty good. It helped Johnny Mox in varsity yeah, blues. It, it I mean, did he was reading books on the sideline. Don't yeah. want your life. But uh, anyway, <laughs> West Canaan um, might have been your life, JC. I don't want your life. You go anyway, ahead and evaluate players. And and one final point, Billy. How many teams around the country have that many injuries at one position? None. Like no, I said, it was it, historic. It was nobody's. Bad. <laughs> Mike was around in '99. That they they were pulling Langston Moore over from yeah. defense and starting him at guard with Kevin Sides. Now the difference in '99 was six all quarterbacks. The quarter, quarterbacks got hurt too. So six. About, that was that was an NCAA record, including Kyle Crabb and Kevin Sides. Kevin Sides, Carlos Spike started a game. Think about this now. Think about if the oh. game constant had that old line, and then Colton Gauthier had to trot out there and start three games. Hmm. You're not winning. You're not beating Jacksonville State, dude. You're not beating anybody. Um, so uh, I just, uh, I'm, I'm not, look. I, I'm not. I'm probably more optimistic than most because I, I look around and I see, I see that schedule, and I understand Gamecock fans. When you look at that schedule, there's a lot of teams on that schedule that are either like, you know, because you always think in terms of who should you. All, all, all fans at all schools think this way. Who should we beat? Historically, it's basically based on history. Who do we expect to go beat? And then who of those teams is really scary, <laughs> you know, and we may not beat them. And then who do we have no chance? Who, who, even if they're 0-5 and we're 5-0, it's a massive upset if we win. Well, you got a lot of schools like that. A&M coming to town. I don't think A&M is going to be dominant next year. I think they will be better coached. But they got to come to Columbia. Everybody, Ole Miss, even Vegas is buying Ole Miss. They're minus 1,300 to win the whole thing. They have to come to Columbia. It's Ole Miss. Chill. I know Missouri's own Carolina, and expectations are very high with Missouri, even though they're sending eight guys in the NFL. I don't, I don't, I don't understand that. And they lost their D coordinator, but they also have to come to Columbia. You know, you you get the luxury of having two of your road games is Vandy and Kentucky. Now you got to go to Alabama and you got to go to Oklahoma. Oh, there's another team. Don't be afraid of the OU on the side. They're going to be just like South Carolina next year. Uh, you only you have to go out there. You know, LSU, I've, I've read where they're – they think that the, the D coordinator is going to fix their defense and they're going to be awesome. But they don't have Javon Daniels anymore and they lost two stud receivers and they got to – oh, they got to come to Columbia. You get Kentucky early after 127 different offensive coordinators and the Lord <laughs> going to the Rams and coming back and then going to the Bucks. I call him the Lord, Liam Cohen. The savior, you know, uh, he's gone now. So, you know, you got him week two. Maybe you pull a surprise up in Lexington. I actually I just, think it's an easier schedule than normal. Than yeah, normal. Because normal name. is usually like top three most difficult in the country. That's yeah. not this year's Carolina schedule. No, I think if you had instead of, instead of A&M and Oklahoma, you had Georgia and Tennessee. I mean, that's that's tough. That's tough. Yeah. I mean, it's just different. And it's, and it's scary. Look, South Carolina historically – has not had a bunch of success against the West. I mean, they have a winning record against, I think, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and that's it. Let and me Texas, ask you one. They're one and zero against Texas. Let me ask you one, just off the wall, random question. Give me one room. What's the strength of this football team next year? One room. What position room? <laughs> Offense, defense. E- either one. Defense will be second secondary. Uh, and secondary. That's based, okay. That's based on the strength of the safeties. They have three studs back there. Uh corner. Mm. Uh, the, the, corner is going to be O'Donnell Fortune, Judge Collier, and then 
they have some guys like Vicari Swain and Emory Floyd that are that are promising. It's just their time to step up. Uh, so I'd, I'd go secondary, and then after that, line maybe interior D line. But I'm I, I still want those guys to play better. Yeah. You know, um, on offense, I, I think it would have to be running back, maybe quarterback with Sellers and Ashford. But I I, I think when you just talk about depth and proven depth, I mean. You know, you've got Rocket, but then you also got Artaway, who's like a 24 year old grown man. And then you got this kid Powell from South Carolina State, who's Derek Watson 2.0. And then you still got Braswell and Juju McDowell. So I think running back has gone from the worst to maybe the best when yeah. you talk about the room. But um, tight end could be in the conversation too. I think, I think yeah, with, with with Brady Hunt and uh, mm-hmm. and Josh Simon. And then you got Michael Smith coming in and some younger guys. Uh, you know, so we'll see. I, I think I think they're fine. I think that um, I think spring practice is going to be interesting because you're going to look and see. About, about that's one thing in spring ball you can kind of determine. Mike is receiver. You know, are these guys getting open and making plays? Because right. Carolina's got good defensive backs. You know, it's spring not, games are like seven on seven. Yeah, yeah. But, but defenses yeah. can't blitz. You can't hit the quarterback. You, you're not you're not doing anything exotic. No, Although I will say. I had Drake May and Jaden Daniels, two of the top three picks on the spring games last year. North Carolina did a – Mac Brown did a let's just go out there and not get hurt type of routine. And yeah. May did what he does. He just <laughs> throws it all over the place like it's nothing. Jaden Daniels, they actually had some blitzes. Like, they actually mixed up some defense. I think they really wanted to see can Jaden read defenses better. And you know what? <laughs> he certainly did. He, cert- he certainly got much, much better – in his final year, and that's propelled him from a guy who they thought was not really a draft prospect to a top-five pick. I don't know what Carolina's M.O. will be, uh, but I would not take it for granted that let's just go out there and go vanilla. Uh, Make Lenoris start to get into a rhythm of what it's going to look like come fall. You know, go ahead and go ahead and throw some different – don't hit them. Don't, you know, they're all got the jerseys on, but, but go ahead and throw some different looks at them. All right, Mike. So you were gone by the time South Carolina had a no hitter. Uh, the last no hitter the Gamecocks threw in baseball it was 2013. But hey, a no hitter on Sunday. How about yeah, that? yeah? I mean, you know, it was it? Com- it was combined, right? Oh, yeah, how do we feel is. about that combined versus? I I don't think it's a, know, and it was a seven inning game, was it not? It was a run well, rule. Yeah, because they run ruled them. Yeah, they so them. you know, like okay. I, I mean, I don't, I don't get too bent out of shape out of that. Um, now, I don't want to th- take away or diminish from the outing that Kimball had coming off of his injury. That, that to me is more, yeah, two innings. And if that right. is what we're going to get out of Kimball as he continues to increase his pitch count, then I'll give me, give me that all day. That to me is the more <laughs> significant storyline, Phil. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I mean, that's that, when I, I almost, I hate to say this, but I look at a lot of these games in February the way I do spring training uh, for the Braves. Uh, I, 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 there's certain players I have my eye on that I really want. I'm not so concerned about the result. You know, Florida lost a game to St. John's, and Florida fans are freaking out. It's like, dude, <laughs> it, it means next to nothing. Right. Teams no, that no, lose. Mike, there goes their regional chance. Uh, they're over. done. They're <laughs> done. So, Sully should go ahead and put in his, his, his 10-day notice. Uh, 
I mean, yeah. um, Clemson last year lost to Upstate. They gave, they lost yeah. to everybody. It doesn't. It and doesn't then, matter. And then ended seen, up being the, the sixth seed in the country. You know, right? I, I've seen teams win a national championship that lose to Oral Roberts on a Tuesday night. Like it, it, you know, if you win, it's great. You're not playing great competition. You're you're usually playing at home if you're a Southern school, and you're you're piling up numbers and stats. Uh, look, it's great that baseball's here. I still think the season starts too early. But I don't put a, a ton of stock in some of the, the stats and things that come out of it. You want to stay healthy. You want to get arms loosened and, uh, and, and ready for the, the, the true season, which will begin in earnest with conference play. And, and then you'll start kind of seeing where you, where you are. You don't learn a, learn a ton about what guys are made of in these early games in February. Uh, you just don't. And God forbid if Carolina loses one, don't come out on and, and start freaking out, man. Oh my God, we're in. It, it. Everybody does, and running the gamut, going undefeated, you know, going like nine and zero against a bunch of weaker teams really doesn't prove a whole lot either. By the way, one other, uh, I can't remember who it was, asked about the LSU game. Oh, Billy, are we still good enough to make the tournament? Was his question? Absolutely. Yeah, uh, th- th- it's a tournament team. I, I just I don't see a collapse coming from this team, barring injuries. I I just don't see it. The LSU loss it hurts your seating. I uh, haven't seen. I haven't gotten on my phone yet. The new Lenardi. I think I it was the, a six or seven line. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then I guess the AP poll come out later today. You can expect a tumble from eleven to I don't know twenty out. whatever. I think they'll be out. I think they'll be, be honest, out. But Maybe I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, but, I don't yeah. care. The, the net drops significantly, but. You know, what what did the net go to? I think it's the 60s now, isn't it, Phil? Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, I believe so. Okay. Well, you know how I feel about the AP poll. Again, it's, it doesn't really matter. You love it when you're winning, and you, then it's irrelevant when you're losing. Uh, to me, it's irrelevant all the time. Uh, but I would be concerned about seeding at this point. And yeah. you got some tough games left, and you got two against Ole Miss. Correct me if I'm wrong, J.C., Two, two two against Ole Miss. Start no no no. I'm sorry. The second against Ole Miss that they played them last week. So the second against Ole Miss. That's right. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, uh, this, my bad. this is the return game. Return game, the, and then yeah, yeah, and then at A and M. And you got a return game there. against Mississippi State. That's the last game of the season, and, and, and I, the Bulldogs are going to be probably fighting for the tournament at that yeah, point. Yeah, see, I think Ole Miss and Mississippi. Somebody asked me today how many you get in, and I said nine, and seven are virtual locks, and I put Carolina in that category. The two that are most concerning to me, as far as bubble teams, would be the Mississippi schools, mm-hmm. and you got to play them twice, uh, and both of them on the road. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> both, so that's that's a daunting thing because you're. You're going into a forum where they believe like we we can't lose this game to Carolina at home. We just can't. Uh, so and, and of course Tennessee is going to be full of piss and vinegar when they come to the CLA on a revenge game. You know it's a cha- it's a challenge. Florida, the hottest team in the league right now, it's a challenging schedule the rest of the way. But I still think Carolina will have enough to get to get over the finish line, get into the NCAA tournament. And like I said, you just you'd like to get. You want to avoid the eight nine, because that means if you win, you got the number one seed in this in the second round. Uh, you know, you'd like to get back up near like the six seed. I'd I'd love to see this team get like a six, but you're gonna you got some work to do. There's some meat left on the bone I, if you're gonna pull that off. I'll say this, Tool. I'd rather them be an eleven seed than to go the eight nine game. Yeah, no, I, a lot I, of people I, feel yeah. that way. <laughs> I, I'd rather be in because some of those elevens have. 
caught fire again and, and got into the Sweet 16. Uh, no question. And I've, I've but, uh, talked about this. of The 12 seed is that's the most you want to pick upsets. The 12-5 game has been murder on five seeds. It's almost an murder. honor to be. Yeah, so it's crazy. Well, Mike, we're yeah. going to have to get you out of here, I think. Right, Phil? Awesome. Hey, yep, thanks. Yep, yep. Time to hit a break. Mm-hmm. We got we got uh, Demarco coming up again. It is ITG presented in part uh, by Love Chevy, home of the one thousand dollar guarantee. JC Phil going to take you the rest of the way. Keep it locked to the Power Hour inside the Gamecocks as part of the Chief Sports Network. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the south in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the south. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. It's the season of love, and there's no sweeter time and place to feel it than today at Love Chevrolet, the heart-pounding rumble of the Silverado High Country, the captivating 2024 Chevy Trax SUV, most affordable in its class. No matter what features you're looking for in a brand new Chevy, your match is waiting for you right now at Love Chevy. In this 63rd season of love, your trusted hometown Chevy dealer is proud to carry on the tradition of honesty, integrity, and treating customers like family. No fast talk, no gimmicks, no ridiculous add-on stickers. Simply the best selection of new Chevys at South Carolina's number one volume Chevy dealer right now. And ready to drive home today. Don't forget about the $1,000 low price guarantee. Wow, there's a lot to love about Love Chevy. I-26 at Harbison and at lovechevy.com. Together, let's drive. That's the power. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotri, Conventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey Gamecock Nation, my name is Kyle, longtime listener of the show and avid golfer. I wanted to take my game to the next level, but let's face it, golf is a hard game to learn on your own. I heard the ad from McKellar Enterprises and reached out to the owner and former Gamecock golfer, Meredith Taylor. In just two months of working with Meredith, I shot my lowest round ever, and I've never felt more confident in my golf game. So if you're looking to take your game to the next level, go to McKellarEnterprises.org and book your lesson today with former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor. Go Gamecocks. 
All right, welcome back inside the Game Costa Show. JC Sherbert, Phil Mullinax here. Uh, JB's off today, but man, what a treat! We get to talk to Pat DeMarco. This is awesome. Uh, it's it's not even football season right now. Yeah, yeah man. I was I like, uh, I was like Gomer Powell this morning. I was like, that's just a nice surprise, surprise, surprise. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, and a great person to have on now with the news that Sean Elliott's coming back. So I'm just gonna, you know, you were part of this program. Uh, 07 to 010. 09, Wolf, Eric Wolford comes in. The run game changes a little bit. You know, do a little more zone read. You ran Steven a little bit with him. Yep. Then Elliot came in and I think kind of took it to the next next level uh, as yep. far as that goes. Uh, talk to us about that run game and sort of, um, you know, as that evolved back in the day and and, and why is it hard to stop? Because, you, you know, you look at Georgia State and they're always running the ball against somebody. Um yeah. And sort of uh, your your thoughts about how it may fit in with um, just kind of like he fit it with Spurrier's passing game, fits it with uh, Dallas' passing game. Yeah, I mean, w- one thing I definitely realized when Sean came in here is he came in with confidence. I mean, he's a very confident human being. He's, he's been a great coach for a long time coming and, and then blossomed here at, at Carolina more than ever. But he came in and I think he subtly kind of told Coach Spurrier, like, hey, I got the pass protection. I got the run game. You dial everything, dial up everything else. Like, um, and I think, I mean, allocating that kind of definitely freed up coach to call the game more aggressively, um, not have to sit there and, and, and worry about, you know, staying ahead of the sticks because Sean was very confident, had us coached up very well in the run game, how, how we could pick up every single pass per, or uh, pressure that was coming. So from a protection standpoint, I mean, Coach Spurrier was just a very – he just wanted to, if, if, if they were bringing more than we could block, it was just slide. So slide away with the back block off the edge and take a shot. That was kind of his MO and coach Elliott kind of brought in a different mindset that, Hey, we could flip the protection. We could do different things so we can keep the route concept on and still be able to pick up uh, whatever pressure's coming. So I think he, um, he opened up coach Spurrier's mind to not to take the run game and the pass protection stuff off of his plate and let him solely work on the pass game and, 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 and call in the game instead of all the different intricacies, which I think, I mean, Dow has obviously been the OC in the NFL for a long time. Um, so he understands allocation and, and the run game and the pass protection. He understands all facets of it. But if, if you have somebody that you can really trust to go out there and do that job and not have to fact check him every time, it's, it's, it's definitely going to allow him to take the pass game to the next level, maybe the screen game to the next level. Uh, wherever you can devote more time to to improve, um, I think that's that's going to be a, a, a big part of Carolina's offense next year. Is knowing the run game is pretty much set, uh, especially. I mean, we're bringing in a, Coach Elliott's a guy that's had a running quarterback predominantly his his entire time, and with Lenore Sellers uh, uh, running the show this year, I mean that is that is a big piece of it. It's, you're you're making them have an extra guy in the box to defend the run. Uh, and that means there's one less guy deep to throw it over their head. So uh, it's going to be something you can definitely attack people with. Of course, the game guys have, have more depth at running back with all three newcomers and, and two returners. And you have to think, Pat, the offensive line will not go through the injury situation that they did last year. Uh, and, and also, there's some really good young players, you know, I mean, that, that, that had to play last year. Uh, you were a young player once. You know the development process as well as anyone. Uh how, even though you may get your butt kicked that first year, does that not help your development uh, a little bit more maybe than sitting on the bench? 
Oh, like, cause man. you're out there playing the game. Yeah. I mean, and living through the growing pains is, is it's tough when you're in the moment, but then on the backside of it, you learn and the game just starts slowing down. So uh, tree and marquee and these young guys that had to come in and play on the offensive line. This is going to be, the game's going to slow down so much more for them. They'll be more familiar with Lonnie, more familiar with coach Ad, and then bring in a new face and coach out. It's going to help install the run game. Um, it'll be, I think it'll just be a breath of fresh air. Like, okay, like, whew, like expectations. They had high expectations for me coming in. And did I meet those expectations as a freshman? No, you're not supposed to, but you saw glimpses of what it can, what it can be. I mean, especially with, with the O-line class, we just signed too. like, same thing. Some of them might have to come in and play a little bit, and and that's fine. There's going to be glimpses and there's going to be growing pains, but it's just kind of slowly taking those small steps forward each and every day. I mean, not to mention you. It, it was a brand new system Dow brought here last year. I mean, and then implementing some of Sean's stuff. It's, having watched Carolina last year and having seen Coach Elliott and what he's done, I think there's going to be a lot of carryover and a lot of correlation when it comes to the run game tight zone, mid zone, wide zone, gap scheme. Um, I mean, there's only so many runs you can do. There's different ways to block it up in different boxes that you'll see. But uh, we're not reinventing the wheel like we might have had to with Marcus Satterfield, who was here prior. Uh, Dow's going to have some carryover in his offense. Sean's going to bring some new elements to it. Um, I think Coach Elliott and Coach Loggins will be will work great together. Um, two football guys. I mean, uh, I'm sure most people listen to the show, listen to pardon my take and, and those guys. And they talk about football guys all the time, but coach Elliott and Dow Loggins, they're football guys. Um, so having those guys be in the room for, for five or six months, starting to dial stuff up for, for come fall. Uh, it's going to be exciting to see. Oh, Dow Loggins. brought it up, Pat, yeah, especially yeah, with Loggins being in his second year. So it's not, you're not reinventing the wheel, like you said, but, the expectation for Coach Elliott to come in here and actually have some serious, you know, like tangible progress in the run mm -hmm. game um, by not having to completely give the team a new offensive playbook. Is that a reasonable expectation here? Is that, okay, since there is some familiarity, familiarity with Loggins and what he has already started to do and implement. Uh, this just a few minor tweaks there to get the running game up to yeah. speed. Well, I'm sure there will be some language changes from, I don't know if it's, it's coach Elliott adapting to coach Loggins run game, which is probably going to be the stance because it's because coach Loggins is the OC, but there's a hundred different ways to block all these different fronts and these different I mean, but they're pretty much the same play. It's is it do I have a two eye? Do I have a three technique? Do I have a shade or is he a two eye? Like there's there's so many different ways to block it. And it's just kind of, it's gonna be between uh Dow, Sean, and um and Lonnie and coming up to what's the best way, how can we put our guys and I and I feel like I'm regurgitating what Dow has said a bunch is I'm trying to put my guys in the best position to succeed. And and that's what you gotta do with these guys. So if you're asking an undersized guard to move a 360 pound defensive tackle all by himself. That's going to be pretty tough. You might want to add a little extra hands and get a double team and work up to the mic. But if you do have a guard who's a mauler and you can put him on an island, you trust him on the island, that allows the backside guard and, and the center to work up to the play side linebacker or different things. So playing to our playing to the guy's strengths and putting them in positions to succeed, uh, 
I mean, you got to think last year we started with, I mean, uh, D on was, was an incredible Gamecock um, and shoot the guy played 17 positions in five years. Uh, so hats off to him, but we asked him to come in and do something he was not crazy familiar with. And he did it, and he did it at a high level. But you, you, you're getting a guy like Rocket Sanders coming in, and a couple of the transfers that have played the position a lot and had some success. Um, I mean, I think. I mean, I keep reverting back. To, it's it's almost the NFL model now. Like with as much as they're up there, with as much practice as they get, it's not my day where we did one of workouts and we left and we did school. Like there's a lot more to it now. They're staying in. There's film study even during the downtime. Um, there's walkthroughs during the downtime. Um, it is. I mean, it is the. It is a real. This is an NFL offseason. This they're in. What, it would be phase one right now. Phase one of the NFL offseason is two hours of, of weight room work and two hours of meeting work. You have four hours. Then boom. Then you go into phase two. Phase two is a little bit on field. So then you start implementing walkthroughs and installing the plays. And then uh, OTAs would be spring ball. So, I mean, then you have that, and then you have summer. So you do it again. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of reps that they're going to get between now and then. So it's just – it's more the maturity of the players and the team and how much they are really taking advantage of those mental reps and those walkthrough reps and those reps in the weight room. Um, they're important. And at times you can your body can be sluggish and tired, but every single one of those opportunities to go in there and get better is, is, is going to step up, and, and it's going to take us to the new – the next level Beamer also, uh, and you hate to see, uh, coach limbo go. I mean, man, I, I saw a picture of him recruiting for Buffalo the other day. He had that sweatshirt on from animal house. that said college on it. I was like, it's hilarious. I'm going to oh, miss that guy. Oh my goodness. He's something else, but, but man, I, I mean, I'm a Falcons fan, like from way back from before when you, before you played there, Pat. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know the name Joe D Camillus pretty yep. well. And, and if we're watching pro ball through the years, I've never heard his name over and over. And of course, Dan Reeves, um, I love Dan Reeves. I mean, he's big game, great game. Cock. I pulled for the Broncos when he was there. And, and of course the Falcons, uh, to get a guy like that to replace limbo, you know, your thoughts on that. And, and, you know, you played special teams in the NFL. Yep. Um, sometimes I think, you know, it's a kind of a different same sport, different game when it comes to offenses and defenses. Cause yep. I mean, look at look at a guy like like Steve Wilk struggles to call defense in the SEC, but he's you know, even though he did get fired, one of the better ones in the NFL. Yep, no doubt. Your your thoughts about special teams and how it translates. I mean, and is that a little bit maybe better translation than than uh the regular uh, other sides of the ball? Yeah, you know, I mean there, there is a lot of carrier, but there's a lot of difference. I mean, you look at just punt in general, like punt, NFL punt is like very standard. It's what I'm used to. You get into the college world and you're like, hey, like let's put the NFL and blow a bomb up and just watch these different formations <laughs> and different people. Like it is. So I, I mean, I would imagine, and and there's, there's going to be a big learning curve for him in the college punt structure and – Thankfully, he has a head coach who's done it and done it at an extremely high level. Um, and he and and Coach Beamer, I think he'd sit there and tell you he learned a bunch from Coach Limbo. Coach Coach Limbo, oh my goodness! Like talk about a detailed human being. He was to a T. He was one of the most impressive coaches from the special team standpoint that I've ever seen. Um, so I mean, yes, huge loss losing Coach Limbo and having three years of the same system um, for our guys. I mean, they're going to have to learn something new. I mean. Uh, Coach Deacon Mills is going to bring in something different. 
but he's going to have to learn a lot from coach Beamer and, and co in that building on, on what punt is in the college world, you know, the different styles, different block points, and then from a rush standpoint, but now I'll tell you what, talk about having a guy bring some credibility to the table for, for college guys to listen to. This guy was in the NFL for 20, 30 years, um, an extremely high level coordinator status. So, I mean, if these, I mean, every kid that's in that building has NFL desires, has, has the want to play at the next level. And if they don't, they shouldn't be here. Um, but if, if they don't have, if if their if their ears aren't open, their antennas aren't up, listening to him and how he thinks they can get to the next level, then shame on them. So I mean, I think just him being up there in the front of that room, talking to guys, and the credibility that he brings from his track record, uh, it, it, it's huge. And especially uh, with with his success, I mean, you sit there and I mean, did he did he win a Super Bowl? One or two, right? Yeah, the Rams, the Rams, a few years yeah, back. Rams, yeah. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. I think he went to the Super. He, I know he was the coordinator on the uh, the '98 Falcons team that lost the Super yeah, Bowl. Wasn't it? Was he in Denver when they when they? Put in the Super Bowl too with, um, I, yeah, with yeah, uh, I think she's Shanahan. got two wins and, and two five rings, appearances, yeah. if I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, dude, I mean, coach special five. teams have five Super Bowls, so yeah, uh, I wish I could sit in that room and listen to him talk. I mean, not even whether it be about football or not, but I mean, just a lot of experience and a lot of life. Um, so he's a, he's a huge hire for us as well. I mean, I think, um, you know, I, I hate to see Coach Depp leave just because I was so close with him, but yeah. I mean, I think he it's a, it's a good opportunity for him to get out of his comfort zone and learn a new system and, and learn under a new thing and, and coach the position that he is used to coaching. Um, so yeah. more familiar. So, but yeah. And uh, Illinois has money and uh, Barry Lunny jr. Is his buddy that uh, was the OC at Arkansas. It is a good Arkansas. I mean, I live in Illinois. So I hear all about them. Berlin has done a pretty good job of that program. I think they'll bounce back this year. And uh, I was, I was happy to see him land somewhere where he's going to be happy doing his job every day. Because, I, Pat, I think that's important. when you're. I mean, we could talk about sports and coaches and, and the Gamecocks as fans and analysts all we want, but human being-wise, man, you, you got to love what you do every day. I, I 100%. Think. Yep. So I mean, that's, that was, uh, uh, that's a big thing. It's, it's, uh, what, what, what's the saying? If, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Exactly. Um, yeah. And, I mean, I, I can tell you flat out, as, as my – in my playing days – as my body was slowing down, as my play was starting to like it and, and obviously having kids and being away from the family and all that stuff. I mean, it's just hours, hours and hours away. Like it towards the tail end of my career, it started at like years one to seven or one to eight. And I like woke up every morning and I was like, I can't wait to go smash my face against somebody. And then as I got, as my career started to get older and I started mature and I started learning about life and, and, and being more in tune with that, like it started to feel more like a job. Um, and that's probably that's why my play started to dip. Um, so I mean, you're 100 right, JC. Okay, so you, you kind of look at the big picture. You, you mentioned uh, Justin Stepp getting another job. They brought in James Coley, who I've I followed his career for 20 years. I followed Markwell Blackwell. I remember when Blackwell was a quarterback at South Florida in the 90s. He's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, recruited Quinshud Junkins, found him in Alabama, brought him to Ole Miss. Or uh, uh, now he's of course at Ohio State. It looked like Beamer this time around. And, and I don't think I don't really necessarily expected four changes because I don't, you know, Limbo may or may not have gotten the Buffalo job, that kind of thing. But it looked like this time he put a premium on experience. Yeah. Well, what can you say about that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, one thing that I know 
is having another having someone with head coach experience in the building is a huge I mean with coordinator experience, I mean all that is a huge asset. And because I mean, as good as Shane's done, like he had so many people to attend to. He's fundraising, he's coaching football, he's recruiting, he's doing this, he's going to this event and that event. He has kids, he has a family. So to have somebody not sitting there looking over your shoulder, but that has been there, done that, that can help you kind of stay on track and kind of be a voice of reason and sounding board. I mean, that's huge. I mean, it's going to take, I mean, I mean, I feel, and I feel like coach Limbo might've been that a little bit for coach Beamer, but now having coach Elliott in there who has had coaching experience, um, uh, you know, cool. He has OC experience, um, you know, Camilla's uh, special teams coordinator experience. Like there's a lot of people who've coached a lot of football and coached under a lot of people. Um, and, I'm, and I think that's a big, a big part of coach Beamer's growth is he was here in our coach Spurrier and then he left and he was with his dad. And then he was, and then he went to Georgia and was under uh, Kirby uh, under Kirby. And then he went to Oklahoma and was under Lincoln. So, I mean, there's a lot of growth and a lot of experience and a lot of, when you think of, of life and everywhere you go, you're I'm, and, and putting his resume together, I'm sure he took a bunch from Coach Brewer. He took a bunch from his dad, took a bunch from um, Kirby, took a bunch from Lincoln. And it's all a part of this huge, huge, mass amount of information that he's slowly over these years is just condensing and fine-tuning and fine-tuning and fine-tuning. And every year, you're going to screw something up, and there's growth in that. Um, and it's just making sure I don't make that same mistake next year. And then there's going to be mistakes then, and then clean those up. So, I mean, it's a process, and, and he's doing a heck of a job. All right, Pat, man, thanks for ch- coming in and talking some ball. Uh, uh, really uh, really nice to have you on to talk about all this, man, because you, you said it better than any of us can uh, with all that, especially the NFL angle, the experience angle, Coach Elliott coming back. You live that, and uh, yeah. it, it's very valuable for our listeners. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I'm super excited about is Coach Elliott is a very, very intense human being. Um, and he's going to bring a grit and an intensity that, I mean, we've all seen the videos of him headbutting and taking a shirt off and fighting with people pregame. Uh, that's him. And there's no getting that away from him. So he's going to bring an edge and an intensity that I am, as a fullback, I'm freaking fired up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Woo, yeah, man. boy. Yeah. That's going to be something else. Well, well, Pat, we really appreciate you, buddy. Talk yep, to you soon. See y'all. Yeah, it's the great Pat Pat DeMarco here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show, and uh, just great perspective there, Phil. I I probably should put this on Big Spur, but I'm not. I'll say I got a text from somebody who would definitely know the other day and said, the energy inside the building is already different. Oh, I'm sure. Two days after Sean (laughs) Elliott was hired. The energy is different. So there you go. I mean, uh, he didn't say better or worse. He said different. And it was a, it was a, it was a compliment. So we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Uh, Final break of hour number two. It's just whizzing right along, Phil. We're just whizzing right along. I thought thought it'd be a little longer than this, man. No, no, man. It was, uh, it was like even Friday in the four hour marathon, man. It just, it it zips by when the conversation's good, man. I thought I'd feel that like the four hours, but I, I really didn't. I, I was just mm-hmm. having fun listening and you know, today I'm talking a little more, right? All right. So uh, we are served by chicken cock whiskey at Dixie vodka right here, built by the Barndo co, as you all know. Uh, also I uh, want to thank McKellar enterprises. That's the McKellar enterprises guest line 
Uh, we want to thank Nana Sports for the Nana Sports chat box and also Sinorama for giving us the Sinorama Studios. That was Talking Ball with Pat DeMarco. And Phil and I will be back on the other side on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864 864- 414-5271 Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. So the boy told him, I know about the bitch, turn my swag on. Took a lick in the mirror and said, what's up? What's up? Yeah, I'm getting money. All right, oh, we're back. We are back. Yeah, welcome back, everybody. Well, final segment, hour two, inside the Gamecocks, the show. JC and Phil in with you. JB having to take a little time off today, but hey, that's the best. The beauty of having three of us to do this is uh, the show goes on. <laughs> yep, we love it. The show always goes on. And uh, all right, so I'll tell my Vegas story. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good time. We'll wrap, oh, here we'll wrap we go. Mm-hmm. All right. So we had a blast, right? You know, I'm um I'm sitting there, I'm like, ah, oh, first time in Vegas in 10 years. It's fun. We got a nice room at Treasure Island. The air conditioner works. That's always important to me because I'm a polar bear and I like it on like 65. And if I'm not having to pay for that bill, I like it on 60, 61. <laughs> and it nice. worked. And so we get there, you know, I didn't. I didn't have, I was, I was a little hungry and tired. So I didn't have any drinks on the plane, believe it or not. And we got there in time to go get some dinner at the wind buffet, uh, the, the seafood extravaganza. Nat loves crab legs. So she was in high heaven. So we got that and it was good. And then we were going to go in cause, cause we love the wind buffet because it's the best buffet. Um, and wind is right across from treasure Island. So we go the next day. And, uh, so we go back for breakfast slash brunch. And we get the bottomless option with the drinks. <laughs> and that was a really fun Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I think we went to bed about 7, 8, 7 p.m. Uh, and uh, and that, you know, we, we went to that Circa place and jumped in the pool. Nobody was there. <laughs> it was crazy. Uh, but we went to this little bar, uh, it's casino. If you ever get to Vegas, never go to the Aztec Inn Casino. Cause it looked great. Like I sent you a picture, I think Phil seven dollar, yes. five dollar steak and eggs. Uh, got $7 in there. Bloody Mary, yeah. Seven oh, bloodies. Yeah. I was I was like sitting there going, man, I love little places like this. Dive bar places, not crowded. You know they have the machines. We sat down, free PBR on draft as long as you're playing the slots. So you get free PBR right out of the. It was ice cold right out of the tap. Um, and it's right, but it's right across from Stratosphere, and uh. Uh, Craig, the buffet is like 55, but if you get the bottomless drinks, it's more, it's like, it's another like 30, it's just about 85, but hell, we we're on vacation. We were splurging. Um, but, uh, I didn't eat much. And I just <laughs> drank a lot over there anyway. Um, so we're sitting there at this place and we're, we're, and we're winning a little bit on slots and stuff. And all of a sudden I was like, I gotta go to the bathroom. And I got up and walked. And then they're like, you need the key. <laughs> Like the gas station, you know, yeah, you need to have the get have the key to get in the bathroom, mm. and so this big gigantic metal spoon is attached to the, the, the uh, to the key, and I'm like, this is peculiar. Mm. So we get off right there. I'm still having fun, dude. It's still my vibe. You know how I love dive bars. Like my favorite bar in yeah, Spartanburg's man. what the new way. I love holding the wall places and you know, not that crowded. The bartender was cool. Free PBRs. I mean, like we're going good. Well then, then I realized, Oh, it's cash only establishment. Ah, oh, well, mm. not really fans yeah. of those places, but Hey, there's an ATM on site. All right. I'm still thinking with it. Well, then the last straw strike three, uh, after the, um, couple homeless people staggered in and, and I was, po- was pointed out that that's why we can't have our bathroom open and all this other stuff. <laughs> this smell came out the kitchen that smelled like refried ass and beans. And, and I was like, Whoa, that came from the kitchen. What are they cooking up back there? A, 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 you know, a, a buzzard, you know? And, mm-hmm. uh, and that came out and then I was like, Hey, do you got any place I can plug in my phone? Cause it's dying and I've got to get out of here at some point. The neighborhood's not exactly great. And they're like, oh, no, we don't have any plugs and anything like that. And so I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) And I know I did not partake in any legal cannabis uh, from a smoking standpoint, uh, but the whole place smells like weed right now. I'll just be honest with you. 
you walk down the hall of any hotel and it smells just like weed. Now I like the smell of weed. My, my fiance, my wife does not. She, and I don't know why she doesn't mind the smell of cigarettes, which I don't, I'm not really cigarette that's, smelling, that's odd. you know, but I, she doesn't like weeds. It's weird. Uh, so I gave her headaches anyway. There you go. So, so we ended up <laughs> leaving and going to Circa after that. Now the next day, I take my happy butt. We're down at the sports book at 9 a.m. local because the Gamecocks play at like 10 or 11, uh, whatever time the Vandy game was. I think it was like 10 or local because uh, it was at 1 Eastern. And so we're sitting there and having a blast. And, you know, I, I didn't drink any liquor that day. It was just beer. She was tired. She ended up going back up. So I'm down there. I meet all kinds of fans. Kansas fans. San Francisco 49ers fans. Take pictures with me. One was the J.C. Morgan. Yeah, having a great time. Go to the U two show at the Spear. It was a it surpassed my expectations, and uh, the Spear is very steep. The, the, the whole thing is set up similar to the Upper Deck at Death Valley or, or Memorial Stadium at Clemson. A little more steep than that. Yeah. And I swear to God, guys, I got up. I, I even waited to go. I'm one of these has to go to the bathroom. I'm not on an aisle seat. I got up to go to the bathroom. And I was fine. I was not intoxicated, but it was so steep. And then you've got the whole virtual reality screen up on top. I got discombobulated and fell down two rows. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I didn't fall on top of anybody. <laughs> but I did. My phone broke my fall, my new iPhone. And I failed to get an OtterBox for it this whole time. And I kept thinking, that's going to cost me. That's going to cost me. That's going to cost me. And it did. The damn thing broke in five pieces. It looked like the Death Star, like after they blew it up. Like chunks of robotic phone were hanging out. There was no coming back from it. I did not get kicked out, though. <laughs> they understood because I think other people have fallen at this place because it's real steep. And so they just escorted us over to another section and sat us down there and we enjoyed the rest of the show. So that was that. But that was. um. Uh, Jared says may have had some vertigo. Now that would have been choice, especially if they were playing that song when I fell. Yes. Right. When you feel there goes JC, but anyway, I'm lucky. Look, I'm lucky. I didn't, uh, I'm just saying warning. If you go to this place, it is very, very steep. Be strict. If you can get, get a ticket on the end of the aisle. If you can't just be strategic. Uh, and make sure you're not sitting in front of the, beside a bunch of idiots that won't get out of your way. That you know, I'm sure I tripped over somebody's foot. But anyway, there yeah. we go. That's my Vegas story, and that's why I didn't have a phone for a couple of days and, and all that. But um, because of, I would have gone to Verizon and got a new one, but guess what? The Verizon store that I needed to go to was right beside Allegiant Stadium on Super Bowl day. Oh my! It, it already took us an hour to get from Treasure Island to Flamingo, so I wasn't going to go do that. So I just went phoneless. So. Anyway, yeah, Craig says Red Rocks out in Colorado step two. All right, we're past time. We got John Whittle coming up. Uh, Whittle is patiently waiting. We're ready to go. Yeah, Yeah. Saunders says the sphere. Yeah, it makes people motion sick. Yeah, you got to be careful. But I'll tell you what, that show was unfreaking believable. I mean, it's one of the best things I've ever seen. And it was less like a concert, more like a like a show, like a like a Vegas show that you would go to. Anyway. Love you guys. Be back on the other side. This is JC Sherbert and Inside the Game Castle Show. After these messages, we will have Whittle on all things. Gamecock Traditions, South Carolina's elite retailer for anything Gamecock related. The best selection for basketball, baseball, football. 
tailgating, kids stuff, and everything else. If it's got the Gamecock logo, it's got to be at Gamecock Traditions. Most importantly, they ship it to your doorstep. Order online at GamecockTraditions.com, where there's always a sale. Gamecock Traditions, GamecockTraditions.com, a tradition unlike the others. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998. Or you can go to Elite Roofing. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style. In seconds, they're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Yeah. This is J.C. Sherbert, along with Phil Mullinax, Mad Dog, 
Uh, we are built by the Bondo Company. Go get yourself a Bondo Minium. Several of our listeners have. And we appreciate that because that keeps our partnership up, uh, hot and heavy with those guys and helps us do cool things like have John Whittle on the show. He's expensive. Uh, and, uh, and all that, and allows me to, to tell my Vegas stories and all that good stuff. Just hit it. I'm going to quote Mark here. Cause I don't want to type and bother your poor ears. Uh, but apparently the Gamecock men are number 20 in the rankings. I thought they were falling out. So yeah. Oh, ye of little faith, JC Sherbert sitting here. Um, and all that good stuff. Mark talks about speaking of the spear. He says they have issues getting big name performers because of the, I don't, I don't know why. Maybe it's because people, I, I don't think I'm the first person that fell because normally you fall and you, you, luckily I didn't hit anybody. I landed between people. <laughs> I didn't hurt anybody. I didn't even break a bone. I'm big boned. I know. <laughs> I, I no longer just use that as an excuse for being overweight. I, I am definitely big boned because I didn't break any bones. My phone shattered. I had a little bruise and a bruise on my side. I didn't hit anybody. Right. But normally, if you fall at a concert, you're getting tossed because they're like, you're intoxicated. And I can't say that I did not have anything to drink. I'm just saying that's not why I felt. I got extremely disoriented, and most normal people would too. And I guarantee you the guy didn't move his foot when I was trying to go to the bathroom. Um, and, and so I think maybe that's it. I think there's some liability there because that, it is very dramatic. The lights and, and how it's the motion sickness. It's like one of those rides at Disney where it's like... You know. Anyway, um, what? Well, welcome in, John. <laughs> welcome in, John. Yeah, I, I am going to have to double my appearance fee. I think that's yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Maybe no, I'll sue the sphere. I'll sue the sphere yeah. for embarrassment. The sphere. <laughs> nah, yeah. Somebody says he went there in November, and a lady had a few too many and face planted on the stairs. Yeah, I, I didn't. I, I, I handled the stairs like a champion, and they have this big, long ass. Like it's probably, dude. It's probably, it's probably a football field or two escalator to get to the top of this thing. Straight up, like if you fell off this escalator, you're dead. I handled that like a champion, up and down. It's just, I don't know. Anyway, John, that, big. Well, that, no, I mean that's that's huge. That's huge <laughs> that you were able to navigate an escalator. I mean that's that's incredible. <laughs> like you should have you should have a shirt made. I successfully rode an escalator both up and down. Actually, actually <laughs> th this is the shirt that I got for my experience in Vegas. <laughs> Trophy that. husband, I like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. But anyway, uh, beside the point, John. Big weekend at the ball yard uh, yesterday. You know, I know it's Miami of Ohio, but no hitters don't happen every day. Um, Roman Kimball, very, very encouraging. Ty good. Very, very encouraging. Uh, your, your takeaways from the weekend on the diamond. Yeah. I mean, it'd been since 2013, since Carolina had one, um, in 1975 was the time before that. Uh, so, so yeah, they, they don't happen very often. And, um, you know, I know it was seven innings. I know it was Miami of Ohio, but it's still a, a nice little feather in the cap. And, you know, a, a little interesting point is that one. And, in 1979, there was actually a no-hitter the day before as well. Uh, so, But, but yeah, it, it doesn't happen often. Really cool to see. I didn't really even realize what was going on until about the sixth inning, um, you know, in, in that game yesterday. But, but, uh, but, but cool, cool to go through. Uh, Roman, Roman was, was awesome. 
uh, he was on a pitch count of they, they didn't want him going over 50. He threw 40. Um, you know, no sense in sending him back out there for, for another inning. Um, Ty Good came in and pitched a couple. Uh, Tyler Pitzer, Parker Marlott, Tyler Dean, all five of those guys are new guys to this pitching staff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, very, very encouraging. And, and the pitching in general o- overall was was very encouraging. I thought I thought Eli Jones did exactly what he needed to do on on Friday in terms of coming out and, and setting the tone. And uh, Dylan Eskew started Saturday and, you know, he walked four of the first seven guys. And, you know, as, as uh, Kingston said, and, and I agree, um, you know, he's got a lot of movement on, on his fastball. And sometimes it takes a minute to, to kind of hone in on, on exactly where you need to release it and, and, and how it's going to move on that day. And, you know, it may have taken Dylan a, a little bit, a little bit long to, uh, to get that kind of, kind of locked in. Uh, but he retired the last 10 guys he faced. It would have been 12, but there was an error uh, mixed in, in there, but retired the last 10 guys he faced. And, and uh, I thought had a, had a very productive day. Chris Veach, um, came in in a tight spot and on on Friday with the bases loaded and no outs and came in and didn't give up a run. I mean, it was very, very good weekend for the pitching staff, I thought. And, you know, offensively, you know, maybe you want some of the numbers to be a little bit better. But, you know, when when a team walks as many guys as uh, Miami of Ohio did, it's hard to hit. I mean, you're getting on base, but it's, it's hard to hit. Like there's there's obviously not a whole lot out there to to put bat on ball on. Like they're throwing balls out of the zone and you don't know where it's going. So, you know, you that that sometimes makes it a little more difficult. So so not necessarily disappointed in, in uh, you know, what things look like offensively. But, you know, I thought it was a really good weekend for the pitching staff. Yeah, I think and, that was the biggest question coming in. Uh, you know, I guess if, if there were one, right, I mean, what's pitching staff going to look like? Who's your Friday guy, you know? And um, and, and I think you coined it, Woodle. There's all kinds of Saturday guys, but you're just trying to find that one dominant performance, uh, you know, or one dominant arm to come in on a Friday. But uh, you feel like we saw enough outside of even, say, the three starters to start feeling like you're a bit more confident for, um, you know, having a, a, a tough series and having to dip into the bullpen? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you feel good about what, what you saw on the first weekend. And, you know, I, whether South Carolina gave up, you know, 15 runs or five runs, like I, I would say pr- probably about the same thing. Like it's, it's your opening weekend. And, you know, it's good to see guys out there and see see what they look like, you know, out in front of the crowd and how they handle things and, you know, just see them against a different opponent and how they execute pitches, um, and and you you learn you start to learn a little bit that that opening weekend. And, um, you know, I mean, Ty Good, uh, we mentioned him earlier. He was he was he was great uh, on on Sunday, uh, backing up Roman. Um, he was he was pretty good in the preseason as as things were getting closer. He was terrible in the fall, uh, but you know knowing some guys down at college of Charleston and what they've said about Ty. Um, they said, you know, when, when uh, the lights come on, that's when Ty gets going. And we saw a little bit of, of that. Like that was as good as he's been since he's been here in August and by far better than, than what he was at any point in the fall. Um, Cause you know, the lights are on now and people are watching him. Um, you know, and, and I'm not throwing this kid under the bus because I think he's going to be great. 
but but Eddie Copper, he was probably South Carolina's best pitcher the three weeks coming into the coming into the season. And, you know, he had a tough go of it. I mean, he he looked a little bit nervous out there. But, you know, he hadn't pitched in a situation like that before. I don't think that's going to be what he is. I'm, I'm sure that's not going to be what he is. He's too good for, for, for him to be that guy that we saw in that first appearance. So, you know, but you get a feel for, for, for people on, on that opening weekend, especially on the pitching staff. And I think we learned a little bit about some of those guys and, and, you know, the next, next few weeks we'll learn, learn a little bit more. And that's how things sort out, um, you know, before the start of SEC play, you want to, you want to feel pretty good going into Clemson because that series is so important to everybody. Uh, but, but, you know, you really want to, you'll, you'll feel like, you know, what you got and where the pieces need to kind of fall when you go into SEC play. Eddie Copper, a true freshman from Pennsylvania, 6'2", 200, uh, 62210 from Ivy Land, Pennsylvania, P27 Academy. Uh, wasn't a guy I'd read up a whole lot on, but uh, certainly, uh, uh, you know, got the first crack out of the bullpen. So, uh, yeah. he, he's obviously had some some good things. And yeah, SQ kind of settled in, you know. Um, and, and I think, uh, I think there's a lot to be said about that. I, I want to ask you specifically about Garrett Ganey, though. A lot of Gamecock fans, I mean, he's a lefty. A lot of Gamecock fans look at it and goes, man, that could be a guy that, that factors into the closer situation um, because he's got really good stuff uh, just from where we sit. What, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, 94-mile-an-hour lefty, um, very emotional guy on the mound, as we saw after the game um, and, and, and what he did. And, and I think that'll probably be – I don't want to say scaled back. I think it'll be redirected a little bit more than, than scaled back. Um, but, but yeah, he's, he, here's, here's, here's what the deal is with Ganey. I, I think, and I think this is how we'll see it evolve. Chris Veach is really, really good. And Chris Veach can also throw more than one inning. So there's going to be times where he goes out there and throws two and three innings. He might have to come in in a six inning like he did the other day to, to bail somebody out. And, you know, he might go the rest of that game. Now, this was his first appearance. He, he didn't pitch in the fall like he's still building his arm back up. So, you know, they threw him two innings. But there, there could be a time where he finishes out that game and isn't available the next day or even for two days, depending on how many pitches he throws. But, you know, with, with Veach developing the curveball like he has, he's, he's more apt to be able to go multiple innings and deeper into, the, into a game. So, you know, Garrett Ganey is, might be kind of a, a backup closer type of guy. Uh, he's Garrett's more of a one-inning type of guy. Um, you might be able to throw him out there for a second every once in a while, but, you know, he's probably a one-inning type of guy because of what you saw. Like, he's very emotional. He's very jacked up. He gets the adrenaline going. So if you do that in the eighth and then go sit down and watch the game for a little while and then come back in the ninth, are you going to have that same – same type of emotional burst that that he has maybe maybe we'll see uh, but I think he's probably a one inning closer so you know I I, I think depending on how you use Veach and and what's what's going on with Ganey at that time I, I think you could see him in in that type of ninth inning role from time to time too gave guys at the plate only two home runs both by Ethan Petrie which I thought was good I mean you want him to continue to hit the long ball obviously uh you know, like he did last season, but, uh, I mean, some guys whittle that, uh, you, you guys reported very well, uh, out of uh, fall and spring that were 
coming on. They actually played played really well. Dylan Brewer, um, you know, had had you know three hits, five RBIs. Blake Jackson at the leadoff spot. Boy, you really gotta like what he brings to the table. Um, he had five RBIs uh, on the on the weekend. Uh, Cole Messina had three RBIs without going yard. Um, Will Tippett, by all accounts, looks better at the plate. Um, this Gavin Casas Tyler Causey battle is going to be interesting. Tyler Causey was very impressive. Uh, just a lot of those guys that, that you told us were, were going to be pretty good. They had pretty good weekends. Yeah, yeah. I mean, most of them did, did have pretty good weekends, and um, you know that's that's. Uh, I mean, that, that's solid. It, it, again, just kind of like the pitching staff. I mean, you want to see a little bit more three-game sample size isn't great because you can you can look through and, and pick through some of the stats and, and see some guys who, who probably weren't, you know, as maybe as good as is as, as what you hoped um, on, on opening weekend. But, you know, it's, it's still still just one weekend for, for those guys, too, and limited number of bats. But, um, you know, you, you, you didn't see a whole lot of guys chasing out of the zone, which is something that Monty preaches – you know, really, really strongly is, is don't chase. You know, if you think it's border, I mean, even, even two strikes, if it's borderline, he wants you taken, um, you know, and that's, that's just kind of their philosophy on it. And, you know, you see that occasionally, but what it does, you, you see a strike three looking called occasionally, but you know, you you eliminate a lot of chasing when, when you have that approach. So, uh, you didn't see a whole heck of a lot of that this weekend. I think Ethan Ethan Petrie may have gotten a little bit uh, a, a, a little bit too aggressive from time to time, especially on Sunday. You know, I think he I think he had some good at bats on on Friday and certainly on Saturday with a couple of home runs. I, I think he was really wanting to get into the act on on Sunday and and maybe maybe swung at some pitches that he would rather have back, but. Um, but but over overall a, a good weekend too uh, offensively for for the guys and and uh, I think this coming weekend will, will be uh, another challenge but you know two more two more games um, you know before the weekend obviously playing Winthrop in, in Queens on Tuesday and Wednesday I, I did, they didn't play Queens in a three game set last year but they played them last year I would say they played Winthrop every year uh, anything uh, to of note uh, on these two teams coming up this week. Um, Winthrop can be a tough out sometimes. Um, Queens, uh, I, don't, I don't know enough about them. So uh, tell yeah. us about these two. Well, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, I haven't really looked at either either one of them either. Um, you know, it's, it, the, 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 the sample size is, is a little bit small uh, still. And, you know, I'm, I'm still wrapping up this past week, and we'll get to tomorrow at some point. But, uh, gotcha. but uh, I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, like when you're South Carolina, um, you know, you're expected to, to go out and, and play well against these teams early in the season because they're not going to have full scouting reports and exactly what these guys are like either. So, um, you know, you just go out there and, and uh, see ball, hit ball, I, I guess. Got got two basketball schools on the weekends coming up. Uh, Belmont and Longwood too. Uh, they're in those teams get to the NCAA tournament in basketball. I know Belmont does. They're big Nashville teams, so uh, that should be interesting. And then Clemson, of course, uh, is squeezed in there somewhere. I think. Um, yeah. So yeah, you're right. Really good weekend and all that. Can you hold through a break and we can talk basketball? Uh, sure. Are they playing it in the sphere or what? The basketball game. Yeah. Could you imagine shooting a free throw in the sphere? 
No, that would be nuts. Yeah. I'd fall down again. <laughs> sure, bro. Sure. We'll, we'll hold on. We'll hold on to a break. Hey, just to, I'll tell y'all a quick story. So so no phone, right? Oh, I shouldn't so, have said it, Phil. I should have, have said it. Uh, That's all right. I, You're good. You're good. <laughs> I didn't I didn't I didn't make contact with the outside world until about it's a Monday. We were sitting in the airport and I was like, you know, honey, you should probably we should probably text Whittle at least. And, and tell him to tell some people that I don't have their numbers memorized. And she has Whittle's number. So she texts Whittle and goes, I am so shocked JC lost his phone or his wallet or his keys or anything at all. That really takes me aback. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Um, that, that was those that know me well, that was not a surprise at all. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, this is uh, Inside the Gamecocks, the show we were built by the Barndo Company right here. Uh, in the sign of Rama Studios. Also, shout out to Love Chevrolet, another one of our sponsors, along with Salsaritas, uh, who uh, fed Matt Anderson at the basketball game uh, this weekend and fed our crew, uh, along with these wings, uh, for the opening day extravaganza on Friday. We'll be back after these messages. ITG rolls on. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. Touchdown, Brewer. Set up the screen, and it goes to Brewer. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Brewer. His second of the day. Pitches it to Brewer. Turns the corner. Touchdown, number three of the afternoon. Hey, folks, it's Mike Morgan for Ryan Brewer Fence. That's right, you know the former Gamecock legend as a terrific college football player. Well, I know him as that, too. I also know him as the guy that runs a great business, one of the best businesses in South Carolina. How do I know that? Well, for one, I'm actually a client of Ryan's. I had my home in Columbia done years ago, and his crew did an outstanding job, just as he does for everybody else. Whether you're in the market for a fence, railings, columns, or anything in between, their craftsmanship, their experience, and service second to none. Ryan Brewer Fence has over 15 years of experience with consultation and installation of residential and commercial fencing and railings. Rest assured, your job will be done with an unparalleled level of expertise, and it's done on time, and they do it right the first time. Again, you're not going to do any better than Ryan Brewer, Ryan Brewer Fence. The website is ryanbrewer.net. Set up an appointment today. Tell them Mike sent you. My company is Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. We are based in Columbia, South Carolina, and we have two lines of sauces and a spice rub. I mean, when people try our product, they know it's a gourmet product, and it can go on any type of food. It's not surprisingly delicious. It's expectedly delicious. Oh, man, the building is on fire. Emergencies and accidents happen. When you're in the middle of a fire or water event, all you want is for things to return to normal as soon as possible. Resto Pros of the Midlands is with you, guiding you through the process and working with you to get your home or office back in working order. They'll answer your questions, discuss procedures, and can act as your advocate when it comes to processing your insurance claim. RestoProsMidlandsSC.com. Open 24-7 when you need them. Quality that is guaranteed.
The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. Welcome back inside the Gamecocks, the show. I am JC Sherbert. That's John. That's John Whittle. And that's Phil Molodax. Uh, JB had to be off today. Uh, we certainly uh, miss him when he's not here, but uh, we have a lot of fun in his absence. Uh, it hadn't been quite off the rails like it normally is when he's not here, but uh, it's been enough. Uh, John, uh, really tough. I mean, tough is the heart is the best way I can describe the loss to LSU. In men's basketball, you have a 16-point lead, a raucous crowd, a chance to get up off the mat. Uh, you, you end up letting them come all the way back. Then you sink two clutch threes with Cooper and Mack at the end to supposedly win the game, uh, have a jump ball in the corner, and end up losing the game on two free throws. Tough one. Your 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 thoughts. It only moved them down to 20th in the polls. I think they're still on the sixth line for the tournament. But you look at what's up ahead, that one's hard to swallow. Yeah. And <clears throat> excuse me. The um that game it was just stupid stuff. I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, it was just stupid stuff, stupid mistakes. Um just dumb, dumb errors. And that's not what that's 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 not what this team has been about at all this year. Um, it's been um, you know, steady. It's been take a punch, give a punch. They've 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 made the right moves. So that's what was so surprising about this past this past Saturday was just some of the mistakes that were made that were just so silly. Um, it, and that's and that's what makes it so. That's just what makes it so disappointing because you know you're there are so many difficult games here at the end. You know you felt like you really needed to get that one. Uh, bounce back from the 40-point loss against Auburn, which Auburn Arena, uh, Neville Arena is incredible, by the way. I love going there. Even uh, it, it was cool to see that place rocking uh, in, in person again for the first time in a while. But, but, but yeah, that, that LSU game was just difficult to swallow, especially given what you have coming up uh, here over the next few weeks. Yeah, I think it's a, you got a, a critical kind of stretch here coming up in the next – three games. I mean, I know you only got five to finish the regular season, but, uh, you know, we were talking to Mike earlier. What, what, what do you think? Do you think that this week off that they have is is coming in at a timely spot for this team to kind of just push reset and get back to what it was they kind of opened the season about? Yeah, I, I don't know what Mike said earlier, um, but uh, I, I would I – would, think that this is probably a, a good time to to get get a, a, a midweek off and just to, like you said kind of reset and address some things and kind of get back to who you were because 
um, while the LSU game, you can you can point to so many different instances of of mistakes and and dumb plays. You know, they it feels like they've been popping up a, a little bit more often here and there. So, you know, it might just be time to to kind of reset a little bit and and um, you know see see uh, just just kind of recalibrate and and get back into the lab as as they like to say and uh, and and get back going again. Hey, get back to who you are. Yeah, I mean, first half against Vandy was a little iffy. Second half against Ole Miss was a little iffy. Uh, you know, not that that's iffy. Look, iffy halves are going to happen in this league no matter what. Everybody's good. And Ole Miss and A&M at their places are pretty good. I, I'll say this about Ole Miss. They, they tend to look like a team that beats the teams they should and then lose the teams they shouldn't. Or, I mean, sorry, beats the teams they should and then loses it to who they should. Um, Carolina won out there last year. Uh, if that means anything. Uh, and then A&M, every big-name team on their schedule, they show up and play well. And then the little guys, they don't, don't necessarily play well and got the, the bejesus beaten out of them by Alabama this past weekend. Uh, and then Florida's the hottest team in the league. I think, I think John, you, you got to hope they cool off by the time they come to Columbia. Yeah, and, I mean, the teams are going to look different after, over the next, you know, couple of weeks, I'm sure. Um, you know, Ole Miss played a played a slobber knocker of a game the other day with with Vandy, right? Or excuse me, Missouri. Uh, Missouri was was up, uh, I think it was ten on them with about you know ten or twelve minutes left in that game, and then Ole Miss made a run, and you know it ended up being I think a three point game. So you know, it's uh, I mean, if South Carolina gets back to playing like it was a couple of weeks ago, like all these games are are winnable. Um, but you know, they're playing against such good competition. They're all pretty losable as well. So I, I think Ken Palm actually has South Carolina going one and four over these next five games with, with Florida being the only win. Um, and you know, Kim, Ken Palm doesn't like the Gamecocks as, as much as some other things do. So, you know, it is what it is. I, I think the, uh, ESPN, uh, whatever they call it, BPI, maybe I, I think they've got South Carolina losing the last five. Um, so, you know, South Carolina's going to have to do better than that. I, I know that much. So, um, but yeah, yeah, tough road to hoe coming up and some guys need to play a little bit better than they have and, and got to get Michi, uh, you know, healthy. I, I haven't heard anything just yet apart from, you know, what Lamont Paris said after the game and as far as concussion protocol goes, but, um, you know, it's, uh, cer- certainly, certainly going to be a, a challenge these next couple of weeks. Do you think Talon Cooper's played a little off the last three games? Yes. Yeah, and, and, and I said that on uh, our, our friends at the uh, Gamecock Basketball Only podcast uh, last night. You know they they do a nice job covering basketball, and um, you know that's but that's that's what I said last night. It just it, it doesn't feel like Talon has played quite as well. And, and that's okay. I mean, people, people, I mean, basketball is a game of runs and you know what, that's kind of the way players are too. You know, sometimes you're going to be a little bit up and sometimes you're going to be a little bit down. And when somebody's down, you got to pick them up a little bit. And, you know, maybe Michi would have been that guy yesterday if he'd have been in, in the game the last six, seven, eight minutes or, or, or however long it was. Um, but yeah, I don't think he's been quite as crisp. Um, maybe here lately as, as he was when, when the Gamecocks were playing really well. And, you know, I've said from kind of the beginning of the season, like he's the MVP, even when Michi was, 
was going off and doing everything he was doing. Like Talon's been the MVP for most of the year. He's he's the straw that stirs the drink really on on both ends of the court, not just not just from an offensive standpoint and, and running the offense and 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 assists and and knocking down a big shot every once in a while. I mean, he he starts it on the defensive end too. And you know, it I don't think he's playing poorly. I just don't think he's playing quite as well. And you know, I think that's had a little bit of in a in effect overall. And, you know, I, I think he'll probably get it back in gear as, as most veterans do. I think maybe as weird as it sounds, even though they lost the game, him drilling that three pointer, that was probably the game winner, you know, at the time in a pressure situation may get him going. He's hadn't shot. Well, he hadn't shot. Well, uh, his assist since Vandy are down, um, you know, and his scoring, I mean, from Arkansas, all the way, like the whole win streak up until Vanderbilt, he had double-figure scoring each and every night, uh, and his assist numbers were off the chart. No assist at Auburn, only three against LSU, and I think they did they did miss Michi a little bit uh, down the stretch, even though Michi did not score in the game. Keep in mind, Michi's been a heck of a distributor of the basketball uh, during uh, this time where, you know, I don't know. I think Talon needs to play better. They need to get Beachy back on track, uh, either doing producing, whether that's scoring or, or distributing the ball. Um, Josh Gray looks like he's snapped backward a little bit, needs to get back. Um, there's a lot of individual guys, but it's a long basketball season, guys, and I'll point this out and see what you think about it, Whittle. Okay, so the, the team that made the tournament in 04, Dave's only NCAA tournament team, uh, down the stretch – they were three and seven. The final four team was three and six down the stretch. So I don't think they're out of the tournament right now. I, I, I think the the flashing red lights will come if you lose out, right? Uh, and that's going to be as, as hard as it will be to win out. It's going to be hard to lose out too, I think. Um, but uh, you've seen some panic around there. Uh, do you think the panic is justified? <laughs> Panic in Gamecock land. No. I, I've never, never heard of such. Um, but you know, I, I guess it probably goes back to what people thought of this team going into the season, and, and for a lot of folks, and you know, this team wasn't supposed to be what this is, and they can't really come to, can't really reconcile the fact that you know maybe the team is pretty good, and. You know, to me, like, this hasn't been a fluky season for, for South Carolina. You know, there's been there's been one fluky win that, that I can think of. And there have been a lot of a lot of wins where you just go out there and play your style of ball and, and take care of business. Um, I mean, that win at Missouri earlier this year near the start of SEC play was was kind of fluky. You had Josh Gray step up and make those clutch free throws there at the end and Jacoby Wright making making the, the game winning shot like that was that was a game where you didn't play well that you, you feel like you stole one a little bit. But the rest, you've just gone out and won like it hadn't been a fluky season for South Carolina to get where they are. They've been playing pretty damn good. So. I think I mean we know that we know that that kind of ball is is still in there, and and uh, you know I, I think it'll it'll come back uh, again at some point despite what you know these last couple of games have been and I mean y'all y'all rattled off a couple of guys who who haven't been playing well and 
and you know, I I think that's certainly certainly true. Um, I don't think very many. I don't can, I don't know if anybody had a great game on on Saturday. Uh, I mean, even I mean, even Colin Murray Boyles, who's been on fire here lately, missed probably four or five layups that he was mm. scratching his head over later in the day, and you know that would make a big difference there. Um, you know, it's just, but I, I I think these guys get it back in order at some point. All right, John. Well, hopefully uh, you have a good week at the ball yard. Or are you heading to Oxford on Saturday? Is that on your list of uh, or somebody else? Or yeah, that's that's on the list of travels this week. I'll have to head out there on Friday Friday sometime and and uh, you know hang out out there in Oxford a little bit. And, and I think I think the Rebels who split with Hawaii over the weekend they went out on a non conference baseball trip to Hawaii. Uh, to play four games this past weekend, went two Love and two. It. Yeah, yeah. They they come back home this coming weekend and and play at noon on Saturday. So maybe I'll catch a few innings of the Rebs on uh on on Saturday before heading over. It's, it's not it's not still the Tad, is it? No, it's not. No, the Tad the Tad is at Mississippi's. No, that's the Hump. The Tad was the Tad. Is it the Tad? I thought it's the Pavilion now. Yeah, I think it's the pavilion. I think I think the I think the tad was their old arena. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the new arena is the pavilion. Yeah, so but that's another beautiful arena. Um oh, yeah, that, yeah. that's that's another beautiful arena that I that I like to go to. So look forward last time I was there, I'll 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 uh, I'll do a JC kind of tangent. Uh last time I was in in Oxford, uh they were giving away Morgan Freeman bobblehead dolls. So I have a Morgan Freeman Ole Miss bobblehead. Um, <laughs> and and if you pull them up on eBay, they're going for like, or, or they were it, it, about a year ago, they were going for about $220 to $5. And That's was, amazing. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I'm going to sell this. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm not wishing death on Morgan Freeman, but, but, but he's old. Like he's lived a great life. Maybe, maybe it quadruples in value at that point. So we'll, but I've, but I've got the old Miss Morgan Freeman bobblehead doll in my, in my sports room, in my office. And, uh, you know, it, it sits there and nods at me and, and whatnot. So, you know, we're, we got that, we, we got that from uh, my last trip out there. Who knows what I'll come back with this time. And that was the day <laughs> John would wish death on me. That's right. That's right. That's the tweet. Little wishes death on Morgan Freeman in order. And I just decided I was just going to gain value. It makes me so happy when he makes an appearance in in movies like that. That voice, the the voice is just iconic. It is uh, beautiful. It is. It is, and he still goes to games. Like he. He was at the Auburn game. There, there was news. Auburn, yeah, an Auburn yeah. player swatted his hand out of the way. He's not just a fan. It was, and he looked back. He's like, oh my God, it's Morgan Freeman. And he shot it, shook his hands. I'm sorry, sir. I'm a big <laughs> fan of your movies. Yeah, uh, I couldn't remember which game it was, but I knew he was there was right Auburn. at courtside. So, yeah, so, yeah. it looks great. It looks great. And then uh, moved yeah. back home. To, he's back home pulling for the Rebels. I mean, you know, he's a big old Miss supporter. So that's uh, that's awesome to see. Maybe you'll run into him and get get a get a picture with him or something. I can get him to sign my my bobblehead. Your bobblehead, yeah, it's gonna, that's right. It's gonna, gonna go up and double in value. 
<laughs> That's awesome, dude. All right. John Whittle on all things. Joins us every Monday from the Vicksburg.com. You can check him out there. John, we really appreciate it, bud. You have a great week, and we'll holla at you next Monday. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys. Thank yeah, you, man. Thanks, Whittle. On all things, John Whittle. We are driven by Love Chevrolet. We are. we are built by the Barndo Co., and we are served by Chicken Cock Whiskey and Dixie Vodka, and we hang out in the Sonorama Studios. And I mean, uh, it don't get much better than that. I met Matt Vaughn at the stadium the other day. Great, nice guy. guy. Yeah, does great work, man. Yeah, it was good. Good to meet Matt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's uh, of course all those signs you see at the stadium are his uh, very good work, and uh, we appreciate uh, all of our sponsors, including Matt Vaughn from Sonorama. All right, we're going to come back and wrap it up. It's gone pretty fast today without JB, surprisingly enough. Um, got got a lunch request in from the little lady already. So uh going to take a break and, and punch in an order or something, and uh, we'll holler at you guys when we get back. This is Inside the Game Cox, the show. want to give a shout-out to May River Mattress Company, uh, today's uh, JC sponsor, uh, and all of our other people that listen each and every day. We'll be back in a moment. Mike here for one of the better dining options in the capital city. You know, when I first moved there, I asked people around the radio station, where are the best wings? Well, the consensus was D's Wings. That was then. Today, they still have the best wings, but it's so much more. Now in their new location at 415 Meeting Street in West Columbia. Yeah, they get voted the best wings on a routine basis. Yes, they get voted the best sports bar on a routine basis, but they're not just about wings, and really, they're not just a sports bar. It is a family-run local restaurant and bar with 20 TVs and 25 beers on tap. And how about these daily specials? Every Monday night at D's, you've got 75-cent wings from 4 until closing. Tacos on Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, 18 wings and a pitcher of beer for 29 bucks. You've also got ribs and oyster bucket specials on Thursday. And no matter how big the party is, 20 or more, no problem. Just call ahead of time, and they'll take terrific care of you. They'll do takeout as well. And guess what? A human will answer the phone and take the order. Billy and his staff do an outstanding job. Check out D's. 415 Meeting Street in West Columbia. It's 2024, and it's time to get in shape. Charleston Fitness Equipment can help you do just that in Mount Pleasant. The Wilkins family, big Gamecock fans, and proud supporters of Carolina Rise and our programming on the Chief Sports Network. But most importantly, proud supporters of you getting healthy and staying healthy. CharlestonFitnessEquipment.com. Find them on the Chief Sports app and in Mount Pleasant. Happy New Year. Hey, Gamecock fans. Mike Morgan here. During my time in Columbia, one of my favorite places to eat was Salsaritas. When I go back now for work or any other reason, it's still Salsaritas. Yeah, I'm like you. I love tacos. I love Tex-Mex. Where are you going to go to get them? Well, you've got two convenient Salsaritas locations, one in Lexington in the Target Center and one in West Columbia as well. Now, if you like tailgating, and who doesn't? Whether it's for a football game or anything else, they've got the catering hotline. Get yourself some Fiesta packs to take Tailgating. Get yourself the Three Amigos bundles for tailgating. They make catering easy with a fresh, hot setup. And again, you just call the phone number 803-543-6297 to set it up. You can also look them up online or you can even download the app. Salsaritas is just a cut above the rest. That's why they're serving williams Price Stadium and the South Stands, also serving in the Colonial Life Arena. Again, that catering hotline number, make it easy for you and the folks out there. You don't need to settle for sandwiches. Which is every time, 803 543 6297. 803 543 
6297. Rescues and Resin, proud supporters of Carolina Rise. They are also proud partners of the show. They make products you can't get anywhere else. Custom designed wood and resin products that make your tailgate, make your home, or make anything stand out. Order a custom cutting board, coasters, wall art, tables, and more. Contact Dustin and Tabitha at rescuesandresin.com today. Rescuesandresin.com and put your imagination to work. Rescues and Resin, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Our coverage of Gamecocks baseball is presented by Resto Pros of the Midlands. On call 24 hours a day and ready to respond to your emergency needs. Coach, ready. It was awesome being out there at the ballpark all day Friday. That was that was fun. Just you know, the workings of pregame and you know the batting practice and how incredibly intimidating it would be for <laughs> some smaller teams to come in there. And have to watch the Gamecocks take batting practice because you're <laughs> basically dodging balls the entire time you're out there in the outfield and and getting warmed up in the uh, in the bullpen. So uh, yeah, what an experience! It was great. Appreciate the thanks to everybody down there for uh, uh, hosting us because it, it really was a, a wonderful experience. Good Lord, Red. Yeah. He's not happy about visiting teams either coming in. Yeah, the bunnies, the bunnies just probably hopped by the door. Oh, uh-huh. he is such a jerk sometimes. <laughs> Gosh, it's like the God. What's the guy? What's the name of that movie? The Bully Dynamite. God, idiot. God, jeez. Uh, all right, welcome back in. Um, I'm trying to place an order like. For chilies, because we're getting chilies for lunch. So I just uh, had to find that uh, barbecue brisket burger. Check out this kid, 18 years old. Here's his order. I'd like a craft macaroni. He always he always says he always gets two standards and throws me a, a, a wild pitch when he's ordering. Man. So here's here's today's wild pitch. One craft macaroni and cheese. He's done that before. One barbecue brisket burger. Trip switched it up from the mushroom, but the burger is usually pretty standard. And an order of boneless, boneless wings. 
I'm surprised he didn't throw the dessert on there because sometimes he'll have this. He'll take a dessert out of left field, or like a pink lemonade or something. Right, it's, yeah, it's the funniest the strawberry thing lemonade. Right, yeah. I, I, you yeah. know, yeah. as far as uh, as far as chilies goes, I'm like I'm like a triple dipper man. Like I, I get the three apps and some queso, yeah, and so that's pretty good. Um, anyway, yeah, Gamecocks uh, not in action this week in men's basketball. Women's basketball, they could I think wrap up the SEC. Uh, their next win, um, got the win over Georgia. Interesting, and, and I'd, I'd be doing you guys a disservice if I talked too much about women's basketball because uh, I don't pretend to be an expert on it. Uh, by the way, Cat Daddy's funny. He says, Whittle wishing death on Morgan Freeman wasn't on my bingo card today. <laughs> <laughs> None That's of hilarious. None of so, uh, so, oh, but man, the last two games, they've had to come back and win. Um, I have a theory about basketball in general, college basketball in general, men, men, men and women. And it, it, it's happened much more in the women's game because there's just been dominant teams after dominant teams. They're going to stretch runs. Nobody can touch them like UConn, Tennessee, Carolina, whoever. I think in basketball, because it's a tournament sport, losing is losing is actually preferable to going undefeated, losing one game. That sounds crazy. You say, why, JC? Because I've just seen it too many times. In the men's game, think about it. Think about Kentucky against Wisconsin. They ran into Wisconsin. Lost. Undefeated until that point. UNL, I go all the way back to UNLV in, in 89 or 90. They were trying to repeat his national champs, ran into Duke. Lost. Um, it's just hard. It's hard to go undefeated in basketball. And I think when you get into a tournament, the teams that have not lost, it, it, it meant mentally it starts to get to them. Oh, wait a minute, crap! We're in a game. We're down. We're down six. Oh God, what are we going to do? Well, this this usually just worked out before. What do we do? I, I'm convinced that happened to Carolina against Iowa last year in the Final Four. I am not saying South Carolina needs to lose a game. I am saying though, struggling and coming back to beat Tennessee and Georgia gave them all they wanted in the first half. I think those things are, are good for a team like that that's dominant. Because, hey, it knocks them down a little bit. Hey, you're not all that. You can't just roll the balls out and win. And, and if you don't get better, you're going bye-bye in the tournament. And I think it kind of serves as a good motivational factor. Um, uh, and so uh, I'm, I'm not minding that they struggled. You know, the men are a different story because the men, they play a lot of close games anyway. You know, the, the women, I think being challenged isn't, isn't a bad thing necessarily. No, I mean, and yeah, it's good to see them have to fight their way back in the second half to win these games. Um, it's getting to the point now, though, where I was kind of, like, kind of half keeping an eye on it yesterday while I was watching or listening to the baseball game. Um, and it's just like, okay, and then yeah, I pulled up Twitter, and then I could see that, you know, they were finally, like, 12 points up. I was like, okay, there it is. <laughs> Fourth quarter, I was like, you knew they were going to flex on them at some point, and – and there it is at the end of the game. They they just, you know, just totally outclassed them there at the end and, and, and took the win over Georgia. Yeah. I mean, you know, you just keep keep winning. I mean, what a dominant program that, that thing is. So uh yeah, so the men, you know, they don't play till Saturday. I think I think it's good. Kind of regroup. This is the first first two game losing streak of the year, right? Phil, first time they've lost two in a row. I believe so. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh so, yeah, and you know, I mean Everybody has lost a couple in a row, I think, with the exception of what Alabama in conference. 
did they? They didn't maybe lose two Auburn. In a row. Maybe Auburn hasn't lost two in a row. No, Auburn went on a little skid there. Um, yeah, a few weeks back, you know, I think they played two road they're, games. In the they're kind of still in the game. middle of it, dude, because they, mm-hmm. they beat the Gamecocks. They go right back and get beat by Kentucky at home. I know, get lost. Yeah, lose at Kentucky or not, not at Kentucky, but host Kentucky, and then. Because that was at uh, Neville, wasn't it? That yeah. put an end to their winning streak there at home. So uh, it's basketball. You're, nobody is, is you know, in the SEC especially, with the quality of competition going to go undefeated. But uh, but th- this little one-week kind of break that these guys have, I'm sure Coach Paris is going to do everything he can to, to, you know, allow them enough time to just kind of rest and then bring them back in for a hard reset for what's well, not an easy slate to finish the year, but one that is manageable. I'll tell you this. You can go steal two on the road against a- Ole Miss and A&M, come back home to Florida, which will be a huge game either way. Um, yeah. You're, you're right. You're, the, the loss to LSU doesn't hurt you at all. I mean, no. I'm not so sure it hurts – in the grand scheme of things, I mean, uh, not to bring up Clemson, Clemson's still right there where they were. They lost by a point at home to NC state. Uh, you, you, you know, it's not an undefeated sport. It's a sport where, you know, you, you want to win more than you lose a lot more than you lose. And, and, and there's metrics and all that that play in, into account. Uh, Josh Gasaway from ESPN does bracketology still has the Gamecocks as a lock. Kentucky has moved into lock status from this league. Uh, Florida, Mississippi State are in the should be in category, and then A and M and Ole Miss are kind of down toward that work to do. Um, yeah. Wimp Sanderson, uh, I'm on with them every Wednesday in Tuscaloosa. Wimp and Barry, uh, he he didn't think they'd get nine or ten in. He thinks at the end it's probably eight from the league. Um, so yeah. we'll see. Gamecocks are still a lock. I mean, lock means lock, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean you. I mean, you're you're in the fortunate position now to where you're having to play yourselves out of it, and I don't yeah. think this team is just going to to collapse in the back end here. I, I mean, we haven't seen anything up to this point that says, "Oh, two in a row is just going to snowball into you know losing out." Uh, no, I, I don't think so. I just think that. You know, they probably needed a break. Uh, hate the way it ended there on Saturday. Yeah, it, it got tough. a little strange with the officiating, but that's not why you lost it. But it was odd that, you know, because I was sitting there in the arena too, and I'm just like, you swallowed whistles all half long, and then you decided, here you go at the end to start calling everything. But, hey, I mean, you know, you, you had an opportunity to where that wouldn't have mattered. And you let yeah. that slip away first before things kind of got out of hand. And to answer your question, Luke RJ one thirty eight. No, Lamont needs to do whatever's gotten this team to twenty one and five. Not everything's about coaching and all that. Talon Cooper, Michi Johnson, they've been struggling. There's your answer. I don't think adding any. I don't think putting Gray and CMB on the court at the same time because you have to take BJ Mack off. I, and no, I, I just I don't I don't think it's a personnel or a coaching thing or, or a decision who to play thing. I think it's a uh, it's just a Cooper's not been himself. Means he's been up and down, and Cooper's kind of the guy. Uh, and yeah. then Auburn couldn't miss the other night, and LSU 
uh, got down 16 and then decided they were going to look like Auburn. Um, Sanderson's opinion on the game guys this season. He's been a doubter up until that, um, up until they got to about 21 and three. They're going to the NCAA. <laughs> he was a little yeah, bit right. of a follow it closely because his son can't win. His son's got Lipscomb. He uh, went to Carolina here. I'm assistant But uh, it's uh, I don't, I don't think. Ed says that Carolina had some non calls on defense too, where I think they fouled. I didn't get into the game. LSU was trying to foul. The rest have to be aware of that. And they were they, they missed two fouls before they called the jump ball. So yeah, was, my biggest thing was if I had one been, issue, yeah, it yeah. should have been foul on them. If yeah, I had one issue, like out, one no call. Like, like Mike's right, that was a foul on the last play. Maybe you let you let letting them play all damn day. Why not let them play there? But I get it. Was it was a late whistle, too, because I didn't see it. Like, and then yeah, all of a sudden, the that place was just insane loud. Uh, and then all of a sudden, the late whistle comes in, and you're like, really? I mean, you know. Really? You didn't let them do that on this end of the court. Why are we not allowed to get away with it over on the other? But, again, hey, before, you had the game in hand. Go. Before we go, how'd the fam like the game? How'd they like uh, the CLA experience? Saturday? Oh, they, well, everybody had a great time. Yeah, everybody Iced. had a fabulous time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's oh, yeah. awesome. That's what it's all yeah, about. Yeah, wish no they could have won. Oh, well. Yeah, that's all, all right. right. It happened. Uh, I don't know if JB's going to be back tomorrow or not. I'm assuming he will be. But if not, we'll we'll, we'll get by. Uh, tomorrow we have Hale McGranahan. He'll be joining us later if he joins us because Sean Elliott's press conference is tomorrow. Uh, and he goes and covers that. So we'll have Hale with us. Maybe some other nice surprises. You never know. Just like today with Pat DeMarco. Thanks to Pat for joining us. Thanks to John Whittle for jumping on. Thanks to the Bardo Co., Chicken Cock Whiskey, Sinorama, uh, everybody that uh, supports the show, man. We really appreciate it. Our numbers have been insanely good. Don't forget to download the Chief Sports app. Tell your friends about the Chief Sports app. Uh, it's this show and a lot of a lot more fun. Uh, and it's free. So go to the iOS or the Google store to get it. For Phil Molinax, this is JC Sherbert. This has been Inside the Game Guys, the show on a Monday. See you guys tomorrow. Hope you have a great week.